everybody, and welcome to this jam-packed, very special episode 143 of Rain Delay Radio. My name is Nime, and uh, what we got for you today is Division Series Previews. We got four segments here, each covering a different Division Series, starting, uh, basically we're going to do them in the order that they're being played. So we're going to start with Orioles Rangers, then Astros Twins, then Braves Phillies, and finally Dodgers Diamondbacks. It's going to be a lot of me in this episode, so I hope you like my voice, uh, but uh, we're starting off with Pat talking to our guests about the Orioles and Rangers. Uh, there's going to be a regular news episode on Sunday uh, or on Monday morning, I guess, uh, and uh, along with some of the you know initial. Uh, you know, two games of the ALDS and uh, and first game of the NLDS. So we're going to do a little bit of chatter about that, but a lot of the news stuff is going to be on Sunday, and uh, that's going to be our regularly scheduled episode, and then we'll be back again the following week to uh, preview the championship series, uh, the which is probably going to come out on Saturday. Um, and <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping none of these series go five games because that'll make it a lot easier to schedule <laughs> the next episode. Um, um, but until then, take it away, Pat. All right. Hello, everyone. And uh, we're getting started with our Division Series previews, and we're kicking it off here with the Rangers versus the Orioles. I'm Pat. Uh, today, I'm going to be joined by... Rack, uh, representing the Texas Rangers, not the Oakland A's. How are you doing, man? I'm, I am doing great. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm a man of many talents. Yes, you are. And uh, we also have a newcomer here to the pod, uh, Jeremy, who's a very big Orioles fan. Uh, Jeremy, how are you doing? Uh, a little nervous, but uh, hopefully next Saturday I'll be in a better mood. Uh, you know what? As as someone whose team is about to play the juggernaut Braves, I too am nervous. You know, with the Phillies going down to Atlanta, so I get where you're coming from. You know that. You know, especially last year when it was our first playoff run in a long time. I know what that feeling's like. Yeah, um, um, young core is going to be interesting to, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. So I want we'll start with you, Jeremy. You know, the Orioles really developed quicker this year than I think anyone expected. I mean, they looked really good at the end of last year. Um, and and seems like they could have been a playoff team, but they fell off and, and didn't end up making it. But, you know, I don't think many people had them penciled in to be not only the AL East division winner, but the number one seed in the AL. And for this team to really develop this quick with this core and, you know, still have pieces in the system that can come up and, and really build on. But like with the pitching staff that had a lot of question marks with, you know, what seems like Kyle Gibson was going to be the ace. The Orioles look like a juggernaut in one of the best divisions in baseball. And, you know, you can kind of go through what really led to the quick turnaround for the Orioles and, you know, what you see here from this team that, that makes them seem so dangerous. I think a lot of the, the turnaround comes down to the young guys stepping up and feeling comfortable. Um, it seems like Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde have developed a culture in the clubhouse that is hard to beat. And when the guys are comfortable, they seem to be playing well. Um, I think a lot of it comes just just comes down to synergy within the team. Um, 
it when you're winning, it's easy to keep winning. Um, and fortunately, they got off to that hot start. Um, once Adley got pulled, got called up last year, and they really haven't backed down since then. Yeah, I saw that their record with Adley since he came up was like extremely ridiculous. You know, he's made that impact that you know I think people saw would happen, but I don't think they expected it this quickly. And you know, it's more than just Adley. You know, it's it's Gunner who's so good. Um, it's Cedric Mullins who's still very good. Like it's it's a really interesting team in that. You know, you've got your star in Adley. You've got Gunner, who looks like a star. But you have a lot of pieces on this team that a lot of people really wouldn't think of stars. As, you know, the example of Mountcastle or Corey Mateo, uh, Santander. I mean, like, these are guys that I don't think people in the baseball world see as big stars, but have helped this team really contribute. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's been contributions up and down the lineup. and. Every night, you don't know who's going to show up um, and be the big hero, but it seems like either the first slot or the ninth slot, you got to watch out for them because they can put the ball in play and they can make stuff happen. Now, it seems like the other big weapon for this team is the bullpen. Obviously, losing Felix Bautista has been a big blow, but what has really kept this bullpen going and, and staying so elite? Um, That's a great question. I think... Obviously, losing Felix was was huge, and there was a couple games right after he went down that the bullpen looked kind of shaky. Um, but I think the the crew just stepped up and they said, you know, Felix isn't here. We need to we need to do our part. Um, Cano has been iffy since the All Star break, but it seems like he might have it together at this point. Um, uh, Fujinami, when he's on, he's on. Um, yeah, it's a tough bullpen. <laughs> a tough bullpen and, you know, a rotation that seems shaky, but a guy like Kyle Bradish really broke out this year to becoming a solid starter. Um, it seems like Grayson has shown uh, flashes of what made him a top prospect. And then, you know, Tyler Wells is another guy that, that you know, seems like there's something there. You know, you look at this rotation, I mean, in your mind, you know, how do you think they can hold up in the playoffs? They were okay during the regular season. They were backed up by an elite bullpen, but how do you think they're going to handle in the playoffs? Ah, you know, rotation has never been a strong point for the Orioles. Um, they've shown flashes of brilliance this year. Uh, they are still pretty young overall. Um, just hoping that the nerves don't get to them and they can come out and do what they've done most of the year. Yeah, it's 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 very you know, Orioles ask that that they don't have like that top of the rotation. I think everyone thought they were going to try and sign a top starter in the off season. You know, I think everyone thought they might have gone off after like a Taiwan Walker type, um, and, and spend money in the rotation. But they brought in Kyle Gibson, who wasn't the worst. But you know, as someone who watched Kyle Gibson for a year and a half when he was with Philly, I know he's a guy that you don't want starting game one of a playoff. Do so you know what that that playoff rotation is going to look like yet? How it's going to stack up? How they're going to line these guys up? It looks like it's going to be uh, Gibson, Bradish, and um, possibly Rodriguez being the first three. Um, 
if it goes beyond that, which it likely will, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dean Kramer get a start. He was pretty good against the uh, Rangers this year, so he, he's worth a nod. All right. So we're going to go over the it, frack. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I, be- I believe it is uh, Grayson for game two, uh, Bradish for game one, question mark for game three, as this is being recorded. Believe. Yeah. Interesting. But, um, yeah, I I did not want to step on your toes, but I just have have to add a note about Shintaro Fujinami. Um, I don't know if you know what his B War is this year. Maybe you do. Maybe you've seen the ungodly horror of a negative two or this man. Wait, First a year, full not negative point two, a full negative two. A full negative two, and when I looked in August, it was negative 2.2. Hold on, I have baseball reference pulled up right now. I I have to actually... While you're, while you're looking this up, I'll add that he looked like the worst pitcher I've ever seen in my life in April. He could not find the zone. And yeah, he was throwing 100-ish. That's oh my cool. god, you're not lying. Negative no. 2.1. It was... Atrocious, and who knows if this is true or not? But he's a Boris client, and it kind of felt like there was a clause in his contract that said, "I'm gonna be a starter." Because the A's were like, "Yeah, he's gonna be a starter," and like, okay, the A's didn't have anyone else. It, they had maybe the worst pitching of any team this decade. I mean, it's they walked second most amount of people of any team this decade, and I think it's like the 2019 Orioles was the only worse one. So they they had no one else, but Fujinami looked terrible. And then in like two weeks in July, put up a couple of good appearances, immediately traded. It's like cool, but also I just wonder if this ticking time bomb explodes in the playoffs. Oh, wow. I don't know. Well, he definitely had a rough September, so... I'm not sure oh, really? he's going to get very many innings unless it's not very high leverage. Ah, oh, poor guy. How bad was September? Uh, I know he had an outing where he came in and had back-to-back four-pitch walks, a strikeout, and another four-pitch walk. So yeah, that that's not right. very good. <laughs> yeah, that, that was very normal for him. And then the A's, of course, because they're thousand lost team would pull him and then the next guy would walk two people and it's just like constant nightmare fuel oh i guess you can hide him better hopefully my gosh but, uh, let's let's uh let me say to any rangers fans listening no i am not a rangers fan i hate the rangers a hate that's very close to love so i'll try to uh have a unique perspective on this yeah so we don't really know any rangers fans but you live (laughs) in the dallas fort worth area which is why we have you on here um so you've kind of just been able to follow the ranger season all year i mean for you looking at this team this was a team that led the al west all year and then lost it on the last day to houston um yeah but like this is such a oh go ahead I will say that this, I think there was a point in May or early June 
and I went to a game and they just demolished Seattle. Like Travis Jankowski hit home run a double, made an amazing catch right in front of us at the bullpen, like ten. Congrats on seeing his only home run of the season. I I could be wrong, but it feels like he he had like a two win season, which is terrifying. That's kind of what I'm getting at. They had so many overperforming players in the April, May, June era of the season. You just kind of thought like, yeah, this team is going to, wheels are going to come off this team at some point. If they were that good in September, watch out, they'd win the World Series. But it was May. Like, I did, it just didn't seem sustainable. I'll have to pull up. Um how their pitchers were because that was what threw me off. This rotation, mind you, was supposed to have DeGrom. Yep. And then he died. As we all predicted. But, like, I look at this team and, like, this lineup here is so deep. You yes. know, you've got the guy that I I want, I think, should be MVP. I think Corey Seager should be MVP. And that's no disrespect to Shohei Otani, but Corey Seager is unbelievable. Definitely, definitely put up his Hall of Fame career season. Yeah. I think he's going. I think it's a little too early to say that. I think he's going, and I think we're going to look back and look at this season. I yeah, think we're going to look at his, his 30s as like, oh man, Corey Seager's a dude that mm-hmm. can rake. Yep. But How like, it's, it goes beyond Seager. Like, you've got Marcus Semyon, who produced. Um, you've got Nathaniel Lowe, who produced Jonah Heim with a big breakout season. Yeah. And, and I, then you've got these young guys. You've got Josh Jung, um, Leodis Tavares with that solid season. Now, yes. I was going to say Adolis is a small, uh, young guy, but I didn't realize Adolis was 30 until looking at this right now. He's he's a Cardinals a failed Cardinals prospect who the Rangers had to be very patient with because in the last two seasons you used to be able to get him out at any pitch out of the zone. Right. Like he just struck out like crazy. And I never thought he would put it together. So good on him and good on Rangers for figuring out ways to get him put it together. And but Leodi was way more heralded as like this is a guy his floor is a serviceable major leaguer. If he hits well, really going to be a contributing factor. Leone was always, like, all through the minor leagues, you could tell he was a good hitter. And even if his numbers didn't show it. And they do have, and again, Travis Jankowski, whatever. That's just not luck, but insane. Low having this breakout year wouldn't say I saw it coming. I did rank him 41st coming into this year in the top 100 that we all participated yep. in. Was I thought that would get me ridiculed. Um, instead, it was Mark Mathias. Mark Mathias, yep. Mark Mathias. And yep. those of you who don't know, I said maybe Mark Mathias could be someone you think about voting for. And it was just, I was destroyed. Destroyed. I haven't thought about Mark Mathias once this year. <laughs> and I thought when I finished my list, I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be Nathaniel Lowe at number 41. Like, he's a really good hitter. He had like 182 OPS plus 
in the second half yeah. of last year. Like, really, really good. But this it year, seems like the story of this playoffs is Evan Carter, the 20-year-old left fielder. You I'm have excited. an Evan Carter story. Do you want to share yes. it with us real quick? I'm excited. So let's go back to last September, um, the Texas League Championship, uh, game one, Utah versus Frisco. Wichita was a dominant team. The Wichita wind surge, the Frisco Rough Riders, very familiar. Um, and Rough Riders had called up two teenagers. Um, Hickory, Evan Carter, and Thomas Segacy. The JC, ever. Um, Wichita had very solid top two of Austin Martin and Edouard Julian. I'm sure Julian led the league in hitting her hits. Brooks Lee was also there. He had just been called up and drafted. Rough Riders had Jonathan Ornelas got four hits in the game. I'm about to talk about Justin Foscu, Luis Angel Acuna, who, of course, was traded for Scherzer, and a couple other guys, but it was Carter. So it's a championship game, you know, even if it's just the minor leagues. Evan Carter walked four times. Kind of sicko walks four times in a championship league game he's 19 and everyone else is 23. That's insane. And every single time he drew those walks, I'm thinking, how does he know the strike zone better than everyone else? And is he just like, at some point, he's going to figure out how to hit. If he doesn't have as much power, blah, blah, blah. Fangraph says he has. I think it's more, but whatever. They're the experts. Air quotes. Um, once he figures out how to hit, it's over. A left-handed, pretty good defender in center. Like, it's just incredibly valuable. So the walks really blew me away. Um, Cody Thunderburk is on the Twins playoff roster. Started that game for Wichita. Blew up. Uh, I've earned runs, four walks. Just nightmare. So Frisco won game and the championship. And all this year... Evan Carter has been a delight to watch. He walks no matter what, even on bad nights. And he broke his hand, which was basically the only thing keeping him from being called up earlier. Well, um, going to his debut uh, that last month was a lot of fun as well. He got hit in his first at bat, so he's the X Factor. He's the guy uh, for this yeah, team. He certainly showed that. Like mm-hmm. eight plate appearances. Four at-bats, three hits, two doubles, a home run, a stolen base, and three walks in the two games against Tampa. He's just... And this was That's his ridiculous. breakout. And yeah. I don't think... I think he'll be an all-star almost every year. I mean, of course, here I am selling him really, really high, but I've been selling him really, really high for a year now. And it's because it's like if... It's it's the strike zone awareness, I think, that really sets him apart. And all the little intent, like the little left-handed. He can play center field if you want him to. He's not good there-ish. He's an okay defender. But, um, yeah, and he's 21. This is insane. Oh, so, he's definitely a guy that 
the Rangers needed to keep, and they had finally a good development system going. And they spent a ton of money because their owner is elderly and needed and was embarrassed that he built a new stadium and the team stunk. And the team did stink two years ago. Like, this is a major turnaround. So, him, it, he may overshadow Josh Young, who has also been amazing. I mean, Josh Young struck out more than he probably should have, but he still had an OPS plus above 100, and he was, he looked like a rookie of the year candidate. He's not the one, but we'll get votes. So, there's a team that's both young, young, unintended, and old, and they're really good, so I don't know. The All right, well, the roster has. Yeah, it's definitely a deep roster. Um, so let's get into some keys to these series. I'm going to start again with you, Jeremy. What do you think the keys to this series is for the Orioles and to take this series over the Rangers? Because I think of the two division series in the AL, I think this is going to be the closest of the two. The Orioles have been really good this year at drawing out at bats. Um, and really work in starting pitching. And and the Rangers, their bullpen isn't the strongest. Uh, I think they have the second most blown saves in the league this year. Um, so if they can draw a lot at bats, get to those six, seven pitch at bats, get the starting pitchers out early, I think that's where they're gonna that's where they're gonna start scoring their runs in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. And you know, Frack, for you, what do you think the keys are for the Rangers? I'm going to echo Jeremy here. It's the Rangers starting pitching because they're, I mean, yeah, we all know Araldis. We all know his deal. He's just fatter now. But outside of him, that bullpen is not very good. It is reason, not. I was looking at it. I thought I was looking at an old Phillies bullpen for a moment. They were using Will Smith as their regular closer well into August beat july but it's absurd like, this guy was the worst astros reliever in their roster last year and he's your closer like yeah okay fine he looking at well era above four but 22 saves it just doesn't rock burke is middling and i'm a big jose leclerc and jonathan hernandez fan and i think the rangers thought LeClerc, Hernandez, we got these guys. If we get someone at the deadline, that's cool too. But it kind of regressed a little. And, I mean, can you imagine if this team had Cole Reagans, if they had kept him and just used him as a multiple-inning open weapon? I mean, he had an incredible season with Kansas City. So that's the type of, but I don't know how, how good Reagans was in the Royals I just saw. Oh, what was his ERA here? 71 innings for the Royals. He had a 2.64 ERA. That's absurd. So if they kept him, that would have been huge, but I don't think this bullpen's very good. Um, and the starters all overperformed. Like, all of them are so lucky. Dane Dunning, John Gray, Martin Perez, Drew Heaney, 
Nathan Evaldi, they're all not supposed to be as good as they were. And so I think that they all kind of came back to earth in the second half to some degrees. And the Evaldi really is just that strong. But the rest of them aren't. I mean, looking at their skills-induced DRA and a couple of relievers, I see Scherzer, DeGrom, Chapman, Josh Spores, who's had a good year. But Dunning, Perez, Gray, I mean, if they have to rely on a Grant Anderson to get key outs against... Yeah, it's not going to be a good time. No, no, no way. So that's where I'm thinking things could trip up for the Rangers because I don't know if they can out-hit their way. Times this team looks like they can out-hit their way versus bad pitching, but sometimes baseball come up with a goose egg, so that'll be interesting to see. All right. So let's get some predictions here. Uh, Jeremy, what are your predictions for the series? Who's winning? Who's the key player of the series? You know, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go full homer here and say Orioles in four. Um, I think that Gunner is going to have a good good series. I also think that Cedric is going to bounce back from not having a good last week and a half. Um, I think the time off is going to do him well and do the rest of the team well. Um, so Orioles in four, Gunner and Cedric leading the charge. All right. Frack, how about you? What do you got? I have, uh, well, first of all, I am going to game three. Very excited about that. Nice. I have the Rangers winning in game three. I just, I see them steamrolling their way through Baltimore, at least in Baltimore, and then the first Rangers playoff game in a stadium that's already seen a World Series. It's going to be, it's going to be a big deal. And I have them steamrolling their way through some some middling player like Coyote or Mitch Garver is going to have a huge series. And they'll just move on. And then I have them uh, getting swept by the Astros. So that's, that's baseball. And everyone else in the AL West has had a moment where they felt like they had a good team and then the Astros destroyed them. So, well, not the Angels, but, but the Angels are a real team. So, um, this is it's the Rangers' turn, is what I'm saying. So for me, I also think it's the Rangers' turn. I think this is going five. I think Corey Seager is the uh, series MVP. Obviously, you know, playoff time is Corey Seager time. But I also think Evan Carter is going to have a lot of big hits in this one. I've got Orioles in five, and game five will end on a deep fly ball from Adley Rutschman to left field that just gets caught at the warning track. In a one-run game. As long as no one reaches over the fence. Yeah, (laughs) in a one-run game, it's going to end on a deep fly to left field where they uh, move those fences back, and we're all going to be kicking ourselves. Callback. A big, big callback. I think that's 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 gonna the ideal way for this series to end. Look, I'd love to see the Orioles go deep, but I think I think the youth and the experience is gonna kinda hold them back. Um you know, whereas the Rangers, they have guys that have gotten it done in the playoffs, you know, with Eovaldi, with Seeger, with Semyon, and 
you know, Jordan Montgomery was channeling uh, 2010 Rangers Cliff Lee there um, in game one against Tampa. I, I just believe that this Rangers team's going to be tough to overcome for Baltimore, and I think it's going to go five, and ultimately it's it's going to be the Rangers who take this. I don't think it's entirely impossible for Scherzer to materialize out of the bullpen in a game five. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think it's possible. I think that would be the ultimate terrifying. That would be something. He was, he was pitching or doing warm-ups in Baltimore, like a simulated yeah, game. He's facing live hitters, and he thinks yeah. he can play in the ALDS, and Rangers are like, well, you know, we'll see, but that's also exactly what you say before you put him on the roster and shock oh. everyone. Yeah, or at least call him in not in the early part of the series. I don't think that happens, but mm-hmm. this could be a very triggering look who's coming out of the bullpen in Game 5. It's Max Scherzer. To end my dreams. I can hear Joe Davis already. I can hear him already saying it. Yeah, we had the bases loaded. Scherzer came in at ALDS. The bases loaded. I, I don't want to talk about it. Why are you asking me? What? I brought it up? <laughs> Never mind. All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining us, Jeremy Frack. Awesome having you guys on. Um, We will go ahead and kick this over to the next segment. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. It was great talking to you. Folks, welcome back. Uh, I am joined now by two familiar voices, uh, hopefully, if you've been listening for longer than a few months. Uh, Lewis and Phil to talk about the Twins and Astros series. Guys, welcome back to the show. It's been so long. Oh, my gosh. It is so good to be back on. My my baby is healthy. Thank you for everyone who sent well wishes. Uh, master's degree is complete. So that's checked off, too. And yeah, I, I'm excited to be back as a guest. I have never been able to be on as a guest because my team hasn't been good enough. So very excited <laughs> to be to be. I, I don't know what to do with my hands. I, I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Phil, your team has Phil, you started on this podcast as a guest multiple times talking about your team <laughs> in the playoffs. So <laughs> this is all hat for you. Yeah, this is kind of like tradition. The rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. I uh I have been focusing a lot on career this year, and that's going really well. So that ate up uh, a considerable amount of my free time. But like the Astros here I am for the playoffs. You've been uh, focusing on Korea, and Lewis has been focusing on Korea. That's um, right. Exactly. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey, let's. I'm going to break the format now because that great segue. Let's talk. Let's start with lineups. I usually start with rotations, but we're going to start with lineups now uh, and talk about Carlos Correa and talk about the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Correa, by the way, finally, right at the end of the season, finally had that foot injury <laughs> that uh, that lost him a bunch of money this past off season. Um, but it was uh, on the other foot. It was on the other. I know it's, it wasn't. It, just, it wasn't even the one everyone was talking about. It's he so. I mean, it's so no wild. Feet. 
He also, I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have the Correa season that he maybe should have had. Uh, but guys like Edward Julian and Royce Lewis and yeah. uh, and you know have, have stepped but, up. So let's so talk the about the thing. The funny thing about that foot injury, um, plantar fasciitis, very painful. Oh, it's the funny, the plantar fasciitis. Yeah, that yeah. that has derailed a number. Albert Pujols. The funny thing is, what actually happened was he hurt it worse and tore some muscle. And it actually went away. Basically, the nerve endings that were being hurt were cut off. So he actually has less pain because he got more hurt. And he said That's it should he should be able to like heal up and rehab over the offseason. So but, let me get um, this straight. Was Daniela giving him massages again? I, that must have been it. That's uh, he was probably throwing his kid too high in the air or something, and land. You know, just had to, to plant a little bit. <laughs> you gotta watch. You gotta watch out for Daniela. She'll get Carlos into trouble. But uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously, the the two names from the wild card series, if you paid any attention, um, are Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis because they showed up. Um, like we've been waiting for that guy. And everyone was everyone was excited for Royce Lewis. He he tweaked a hamstring like two weeks before the end of the season. No one was sure if he was going to be able to play. Uh, he comes back. He can only DH for now. He said, yeah, it actually isn't feeling any better, but I can play through it. We just didn't want to play through it the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, has to DH, was told not to run out of the box. And so, of course, he hits Home runs the first two times. We have not had someone like that in our roster for a very long time since probably the Kirby Puckett days. Someone who comes up to the plate and you just expect something to happen and then it actually happens. Um, so, I mean, that was that was huge. I mean, slashing 309, 372, 548 through the season, you know, 150 OPS plus. No matter by the way, shambles right now. I, I mean, look, we love Maurer. We love Maurer. Maurer is all-time great. Love him to death. He was not that guy in the postseason. Sure. Um, oh, fair enough. And yeah. that, that was just, that, that's just the fact of it. He never got the opportunity to really be that guy because Phil Cuzzy called it foul. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's, the, that's the sort of thing that Royce Lewis has brought to the table here at the age of 24. Um, and, of course... As you mentioned, the other first overall uh, draft pick that uh, we've got, Carlos Correa. Um, Phil, I have heard you talk about playoff Correa for a few years, and I I see it. I told you it was real. It's a real thing. It's a real thing, and it's not even like the bat. Yeah, he got the one single. He got the one hit with runners in scoring position in game two. Um, Great, great for him, for everyone. Um, got a single with the bases loaded, but the defense, the backing up every play, the calling for the pickoff at second base, like Classic he Korea. is, well, he then is that the wily veteran <laughs> to go with the spark plug rookie. It's it's too scripted. I yeah, thought the we, Raiders we didn't, were we didn't on talk strike. About the, uh, uh, the wild card series, really, but uh, yeah, um, well, that's, I'm <laughs> now, glad the now, Raiders Lewis, strike ended so this could happen. Lewis, that, that's the thing about Correa, and there was a press conference this morning uh, where Jose Altuve was asked about, how are you feeling playing against your old friend? <clears throat> and Altuve summed it up perfectly, which I think you'll appreciate being a Twins fan, is the guy is a natural leader. 
He's a postseason presence with plenty of experience in high leverage games. He's he's the epitome of that dude. When you need that dude, Carlos Correa is that dude. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I, mean, I we were, we were uh, talking I, I in time with texting. Sorry. Sorry. Me and I don't know the last segment of the of this, the Dodgers Diamondbacks one. And like the Diamond, you know, Diamondbacks and Twins are kind of similar in, in a number of ways, mostly in like they haven't had a ton of recent success and here they are in the playoffs. But the Diamondbacks don't have that Correa type guy, a guy who like is a leader who has been there a bunch and like is going to like keep these guys on their toes in the way that they sort of need to be. Yeah, and I mean, me and Nine were texting uh, when he was inviting me back on for this segment, and uh, was mentioning, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, it, it's not. And I was like, well, it's not the Yankees, so you'll be fine. I'm like, well, yeah, but look at the 2020 postseason in Nine. What did you respond to that? Said, hey, you know, who the best hitter was there in that uh, in that wild card series against the Twins. It was Carlos Correa. <laughs> so, so, who do, uh, so uh, enough who about these two. It, enough about these two. They are Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa. They're great. Just really quick running through the, the rest of the lineup. We're, we'll, we'll try to keep it fast. Um, the the big lefties that uh, we've got the veteran Max Kepler who turned it on in the second half. Fans were ready to DFA him. They wanted to trade him away to the scrap heap for a reliever or something, anything of value. And then he turned it on in the second half and put up some really good classic, uh, good hitting Kepler numbers. And then we've got, we've got the three. I, I can't remember if they all have the rookie eligibility still or not, but Alex Kirilov, Matt Wallner and Edward Julien are the three lefty mashers. Wallner is Basically, we've got Joey Gallo at home, um, except we we also have Joey Gallo and he's better than Joey Gallo. So he's classic Joey Gallo um, at home. Uh, Alex Kirilov, a little bit more of a complete player, uh, hits for, for a little better average, doesn't slug for quite as much. And then um, Edward Julian introduced to the world on Team Canada for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I don't know what it is about Canadians. He reminds me of young Joey Votto before umps realized that Mr. Votto will tell you if that 3-2 pitch was a strike or not. Uh, <laughs> in that he, if, the, if it's a 3-2 count, he will either walk or he will likely strike out because the ball is a milli inch off the plate and he saw it and the ump didn't. So um, that's that's those three. And really, or, and with Max Kepler, that is really our left-handed lineup. Um, it really, we struggled against lefties uh, to begin the season. That's where we're really nervous about that Valdez matchup, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, with Correa kind of having a resurgence and Royce Lewis coming back from injury, uh, it kind of balances those things out quite a bit there um Russell the lineup exceeded rookie limits in 2021 I will say it's it's cool to see yeah. the the Diamondbacks not the Diamondbacks the Twins finally have sort of all of these sort of heralded prospects who weren't putting it together all kind of put it together at the same time in Kirilov and uh and you know Lewis who had injury trouble but like him and then Kepler who've all been guys who like you know sometime over the last 10 years have been like hey this is the next great twins player and then just 
weren't necessarily. Right. Um, yeah. all, everybody but Buxton is like really putting it together at the right time. And Buxton just hurt as usual, you know? Yeah. So, and, and to, to clear up the center field, we got Michael A. Taylor, who has been, I mean, he's been fantastic on defense. His bats, okay. Uh, it's there. Um, he can hit a dinger or two in a big moment, 21 homers this year. Um, but you know, it, it average bat, but, uh, really the, the rest of the lineup is, I mean, Jorge Polanco, he's kind of been a stalwart member. He's very streaky. He just came back from injury. He looked so lost at the plate for a couple games and then he mashed a couple dingers and then he looked lost again. We'll see which Jorge Polanco shows up. Uh, and then Ryan Jeffers is the catcher. He's been mashing the ball. He, uh, currently if Ryan Jeffers homers, the Twins win the game. They went 13-0 this season in games where Ryan Jeffers homered. So look out for that. And then the role players uh, win those, what uh, the Blue Jays really wanted to get into the lineup to get the lefties out with that um, interesting move to pull Barrios early for the lefty Kikuchi. Um, Donovan Solano has been amazing as that right-handed bat in the in the lineup i mean he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do batting just a bit above average and showing up and then kyle farmer has just been a role player um doing doing everything a little bit of everything along with willie castro they've really just played all around um you'll see them come off the bench when the the lefty specialist comes in or for the young lefties and uh they they've been they've been delivering which is something a lot of our like you know, you know, end of the off season where you're just kind of picking up guys to fill holes. They've been delivering in that role, and we haven't had people deliver in that role for a long time. So um, that's really the the bulk of the Twins lineup. It's just kind of solid from top to bottom. Not really any like super superstars outside of Royce Lewis as far as batting goes, um, but just super solid bats, strong left-handed bats, and adequate right righty bats to to get through those left-handed games at this point uh phil let's talk here about the astros lineup which is an astros lineup so it's the it's the usual cast of characters uh same as last year with the addition of one in particular i'll talk about um where and and I mean no disrespect to you at all, Lewis or or Twins fans. Um, while you have Royce Lewis as your superstar, uh, this is a team chock full of superstars from the lefty hitting tandem uh, that is sure to put the fear in any pitching rotation of um, probably second place MVP finisher. Kyle Tucker, uh, who led the American League in RBIs this year. And of course, the name that strikes fear into the hearts of Mariners and Phillies fans everywhere, one Mr. Jordan Alvarez. Uh, after missing uh, Altuve for the first 60 games of the season, uh, Jose Altuve is most definitely back and wants you to know that we're back in this. Uh, over the last 10 games, he's carrying a 286 batting average, 12 hits, three RBIs, um, rounding out the rest of the rotation aside or the lineup aside from Altuve, you know, we've got Bregman who's had a, a an almost MVP-esque run over the last half of the season, 
carrying a 122 OPS plus uh, with a 262, 363, 804 slash. Uh, Jose Abreu, who basically put up an MVP caliber September uh, as your as your your first baseman replacing Yuli Gurriel. Get into a little bit of trouble is we have some we have some rotational choices to make in the outfield between Chaz McCormick and Mauricio Dubon, who has arguably been the best hitter of the team for the last uh, the last month or so. He's he's batting about three oh five as the the former the Giants utility man. Um, Dubon putting up as a career year this year has warmed his way into the, the everyday lineup, which has. Dusty Baker making decisions about who's going to DH and who's going to play left field, who's going to play center field, putting our star rookie, Yiner Diaz, who I feel if he had actually played an entire season worth of games, uh, maybe maybe challenging the Orioles uh, rookie sensation for rookie of the year, putting up 23 home runs of his own from the bench. We've also got uh, Dr. Smooth, Uncle Michael Brantley back uh, as a as a linchpin lefty hitter in the lineup. And uh, we're going to roll out the corpse of Martin, Martin Maldonado at catcher because uh, his pitchers seem to prefer him for some reason. I, I was going to say, Phil, one thing that seems very similar uh, about our seasons is both of us have a catcher who has been hitting very well in their mid-20s who looks like the catcher of the future for the team. It looks like the real yet- deal. And yet the majority of the games have been caught by the 30-something veteran who is hitting, what, 220. Oh, no, Maldonado's not even hitting above the Mendoza line. He's hitting hitting around the Mendoza line and uh, not not doing too well. Um, I'm interested, I think. Twins fans, I mean, both, uh, like they're game callers, right? Like, and that's that's yeah. as, as somebody who watched Yadier Molina for twenty years, like that's, and then had to watch Wilson Contreras. That's right. really important. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that uh, on the Twins side of things, it was mostly to keep Jeffers fresh. I don't know how much playing time. I bet Vasquez gets maybe one game if we, you know, if we we end up going to at least four games. One. Of the the sets, he'll probably get a start, and then if we end up making it to a seven game series, he'll get one of the middle three games. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting I because I don't feel like uh, Astros fans have felt kind of the same way about resting up uh, resting up Diaz as much. No, in fact, we've been clamoring to get him more starts as a catcher. In fact, uh, if you take a look at his splits in between his time as a DH, a short stint at first base, and his time behind uh, behind the plate, is uh, his offensive metrics go up considerably when he catches, and his frame rate is better than Martin Maldonado's. His drop ball percentage is better than Martin Maldonado's. I, I understand uh, this is the... This is there's a lot of upsides to having Dusty Baker as your manager. There's some downsides too in that he gets locked in with his favorites. And I, I don't have look, I love Machete. I, I think he brings a certain gamesmanship to the team. Uh he caught a Fromber Valdez no hitter this year. Um he seemed to to get Christian Javier back on track. Uh, you know, we, we brought back Justin Verlander, which I was over the moon about, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, he seemed to, he seemed to carry on and have, have a, have a, a pretty rock solid season uh, outside of a 
couple bad starts. But one one thing I did want to mention before we move on, uh, a player that I didn't mention is uh, the Carlos Correa we have at home. And that's Jeremy Pena. Now, I'm going to throw some stats at you, Lewis, and I want you to tell me, is it, is it, is it Correa or is it Pena? 3.8 war. I bet they're the, they're the same. Uh, it's probably Pena. I don't think Correa got that much this, this season. Correa's got a 1.4 war. Yeah. Um, who had the OPS plus of 95? Uh, I believe they both were right around that area. Um, Correa, yeah, they were both right around there, I think. Very good. Uh, Correa with a 94 and Pena with a 95. Now, their batting average, who's carrying the 230 batting average? I, I know that's Correa, because we, we had been talking about how he was getting it up to 230 by the end of the season. <laughs> Jeremy Pena with a 263. Now, granted, Pena's hitting in the eighth in the eighth slot versus Correa's hitting, where, fifth or sixth? Yeah, he, he was hitting up higher in the lineup earlier in the year. Um, they they brought him back down for the playoffs against Valdez. He'll probably get moved up um, just because he's one of the better right-handed bats and he has been hitting better the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, he, he gets down in the sixth slot late, later um, against left or against right-handed pitchers just because we've got Kepler, we've got Julian, we've, we've got the lefty bats to to push him down. Yeah, I, I I think that the and not not to take away from Correa at all. I mean, I love I love Carlos Correa. I will always love Carlos Correa. I, I think the 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 talking heads and pundits giving the advantage to Correa over Pena based purely on stats is a little bit misguided. Where I, I mean, I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't give him the edge. I, I would not give him the statistical edge. Uh, the only edge I'd give him is everything we talked about before. That yeah, Wiley veteran who makes the calls. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely an experience and being that dude. Where the Astros fortunately have many that dudes from right. Tucker to Bregman to Alvarez to McCormick to Altuve. The list goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that's the thing, and and like that's the thing about a couple of these matchups, right? Same with sort of the Dodgers and and uh, that matchup, and you know, the, really the only like the two other opposite ends of the spectrum here are the Orioles, Rangers, who nobody's really been there, and the Phillies, Braves, who everybody's been there. So it's uh, yeah. you know these two sort of middle matchups of the one with the Astros and the Dodgers, who are the two sort of consistently best teams of the last decade, uh, are playing against a team that is a little scrappier, and it's interesting to to, to see and match those up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we haven't even talked about the rotations yet. Let's talk about rotations. Right. Let's let's hit these up really quick. So. Um, so game one starter, since we had to use uh, Lopez and Gray in the wild card round, we've got Mr. Consistent Bailey Ober. He will give you five to six innings of two to three runs given up. Um, pretty much like clockwork. That's what he does. Um, he is weirdly the one who I'm least worried about completely melting down. Um, but 
I also don't think he's going to shut anyone out. Um, that said, I've seen the Astros in the playoffs. They can blow anyone up. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised there. But he's been Mr. Consistent. I do not feel uh, bad at all throwing him out there in game one. Um, and then Pablo Lopez, we got to see him. He just kind of gamered out in game one. Um Lots of strikeouts, number two in the AL in strikeouts this year. Uh, gets, gets that good mix of pitches. Uh, and then Sonny Gray is going to be pitching game three, pitched five shutout innings. Uh, he he gives up some base runners. However, um, he doesn't allow homers. He keeps the ball in the park to an insane level, and he's done it all year. Um, so him keeping the ball in the park is kind of key, which is going to be a struggle against the Astros. But I mean, number two in the league in ERA, um, of the pitchers going into this series, he had the best BWAR, the best FWAR, the best ERA, the best FIP. Um, but the thing, the thing about all three of these guys is they're going to give us five to six innings and then it's going to go over the bullpen. Um, the, the only one who really trust, uh, who could go the distance would be Pablo Lopez, but he's also gotten blown up in the the fifth and sixth before. So he's got to really be cruising to, to let it ride out. Um, the, the fourth starter that we will be using most likely is Joe Ryan, who has had some ups and downs this season. He's, he's thrown a complete game shutout. He's also been blown up. Uh, he had a mid-season injury that he tried to play through and didn't tell the training staff. So we're still trying to figure out which of those run heavy starts were injured Joe Ryan and how much is just how Joe Ryan pitches. Um, I think they made the right decision in saving him for game four at target field, a little less of a home run risk than, than at the juice box. Um, so hopefully that works out for him and we get well, there. And then also with, the, with the way that off days line up, it might not even like, you might also just go back to gray there in game four. No, it, it's, it's going to be Ober, Lopez, gray, Ryan, and then Lopez would probably come back for game five. Uh, gray oh, is pitching yeah. game three. Yeah. I'm sorry, I meant, I meant um, Ober, but like, I, yeah. it, it just depends. But the reason the reason we're comfortable doing that is because our number five starter is Kenta Maeda, who also had a early season injury that uh, he tried to pitch through, ballooned his ERA, and then he came back and he has been just solid down the stretch. And honestly, we've never seen him, Lewis, have we? Kenta Maeda. We, we've <laughs> honestly, if uh, if Kenta Maeda had not been in the bullpen for the Dodgers and pitched very well in the playoffs, despite some hiccups. Uh, he has pitched very well in the playoffs in the past, uh, excelled out of the bullpen. If he hadn't done that in the past, my guess is we'd be handing him the ball for game one. But because he's transitioned to that role in the past, um, I'm expecting him to piggyback off of Ober and piggyback off of Joe Ryan. If there's any sign of trouble, um, Maeda is going to be coming in game one and game four to pitch two to three innings out of the pen um, and really bridge the gap in case either of those two get in trouble. And uh, we, we're really trusting that he's able to do that. Uh, Phil, what are we looking at here for the uh, Astros who have, you know, a top rotation? <laughs> like it's... 
it's same thing. It's they have like more, six starters, you know. It's it's we do. It's more of the same. Uh, Justin Verlander is going to get the game one nod. Um, this is he's got a sixteen and eleven record in the postseason with an ERA of three sixty four, two hundred and thirty strikeouts. Now keep in mind this is ALDS Justin Verlander, not World Series Justin Verlander. So I'm expecting him to go out there and and probably lock it down for you know six to seven innings. <clears throat> Followed up by Framber Valdez, uh, who threw a no-hitter earlier this year. His, he's got the second-highest FIP on the team at 122. His, he's, he's, the, he's the lefty that won us the World Series last year. Um, heavy dose of sinker, cutter, slider. Um, good luck, twins. Uh, he's, he's difficult to hit <laughs> off of. He is he's the prototypical hey, ground ball pitcher. The the one thing that uh gives me hope is I do remember watching the 2021 World Series. Um so that that's what I'm going to focus on uh ah, as he's gone to a sports psychologist since then. So oh, that the, of course. the, the Fromber <laughs> of 2021 is no it, you know is no more. he had some hiccups this season but uh down the stretch Frombers looked uh, much better. Game three is probably going to be Christian Javier. You know, there was there was some talks at the beginning of the season, uh, including myself, who thought he might be a candidate for the Cy Young this year. That was not to be. Uh, he had the worst season of his career, uh, his young career, um, with a FIP of four fifty eight. His ERA plus is down to ninety two. Uh, he did not throw a no hitter like he did twice last season. But uh, has looked a little bit better down the stretch. I'm going to assume that that's going to be our three-man rotation with a game four. Will probably be a tandem between rookie JP France and uh, Mr. Postseason himself. With a f- uh, he's like a four and zero record now, three and zero record. Uh, Jose Urquidy, and then we're going to move on to what is arguably the Astros' strongest weapon in their arsenal is their bullpen. Uh not as not as light out as last season but still still quite deadly uh with Rafael Montero who has uh who's looked much better in the back half of the season uh when he looked pretty awful in the first half of the season. Uh the man that has that dog in him uh Hector Neris who is arguably one of the better uh, high leverage pitchers in baseball right now. The the setup man who has yet to give up a run in the last 24 innings, uh, Brian Abreu, who was arguably the postseason MVP for the Astros last year, and uh, our closer, who uh, Lewis might be familiar with. We've had many conversations about yes. him. Yes, uh, it's Ryan Ryan Presley, who is not as invincible as he was last season. Um, has got quite a bit of usage last year, a little bit of usage in the World Baseball Classic, but still uh, with, uh, let's see, an ERA plus of 118, 31 saves. Uh, Ryan Presley is still a top-line closer. Um, So as long as our starters can get us to six inning through six innings, I, I have complete faith that our bullpen can lock it down. You know, I feel like we're feeling pretty similar about our bullpens because I didn't really get into them. Um, you look at the overall numbers, like if 
like some Blue Jays fans did and just went on fan graphs and like looked at bullpen numbers. Our bullpen doesn't look good. What the fan graph season summary doesn't take into account because it wasn't part of the season. Uh, we lost two of our, our one of our best right-handed relievers, Brock Stewart, early in the season. Same with left-handed reliever Caleb Thielbar. They have come back and they have been pretty clean so far um, down the stretch and into the postseason. And then uh, obviously Griffin Jacks, we saw him in the wild card round, did great. Emilio Pagan has finally turned the page. We we're all on edge because he was known for giving up uh, leads to Cleveland, but Cleveland's not here anymore. And uh, he seems to have turned that page, pitching to a 299 ERA and actually closing out some big holds and in innings. And then, of course, Duran, uh, amazing, throws 102, has an 83 mile per hour curveball and a 93 mile per hour splitter that they don't want to call a splitter because that's ridiculous. Um, and the, the other thing, uh, one of our early season starters was Louis Varland. Um, ended up 463 ERA. Um, he went back down to the minors and about mid-season he started working towards coming back for the bullpen. Suddenly he went from throwing 95 to hitting triple digits. And he has been very, very good out of the bullpen for us down the stretch. Um, same same sort of thing with Chris Paddock. Uh, wanted him as a starter. Went back down, got injuries, came back. We have a abundance of surprise arms that I don't think a lot of people are quite ready for. So uh, that's where, like I said, Lopez, Gray, Ober, um, they're not going to pitch seven, eight, nine shutout innings, uh, but we're very comfortable handing things off to that bullpen. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting series uh, because I feel like both teams are feeling about the same about that rotation and bullpen. Um, last thing here from uh, both you guys. Uh, let's start with Lewis again here. Uh, pick to click, uh, et cetera, whatnot. Like what is, uh, what is the sort of keys here? And then your predictions for how the series is going to shake out. All right. The, the keys for us is going to be not getting run over by Framber Valdez. Um, that, that making sure that that left-handed being able to beat lefties continues uh, from the second half with Royce Lewis and Carlos playoff, Carlos Correa in the lineup. I'm not as concerned, uh, but we, we've seen it happen before. We did not have a ton of offense in that wildcard series. Five runs over two games. It's not great. We did see the two best uh, pitchers, obviously, out of the Blue Jays, and they kept the pressure on with the best bullpen arms, too, to keep things close. But we really need the offense to start clicking and showing up. Um, the key for me get at least one of the first two games so that energy at target field keeps up. This is one thing I was very proud of how fans showed up at target field. Uh, Minnesota sports fans are not known for that. Um, we had Timberwolves players criticizing the, the postseason environment and blaming losses on the fans, not being into it. Um, Twins fans since the Metrodome, um, just haven't been that loud in the postseason. We haven't had much to be loud about, to be honest. So I, I really think um, we got the monkey off the back. 
0-18 is gone. Won the first playoff series in two decades. Um, if we can take one of the first two games, we get that energy back at the crowd. I know the Astros are also thinking that because they play better on the road. Um, but uh, I think that's going to be the key is getting one of those first two games and coming home, getting the crowd involved at three in the afternoon, because that's when our games are are starting and uh, really making sure that uh, Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez can be deciders in this series. Uh, Phil, same question. Uh, yeah, same question here. What are what are the sort of keys here to the to the series for the Astros? It's basically more of the same thing that Lewis said. Um this this offense, while can be very high powered, also tends to slump at times. The good news is the offense looks like it's starting to warm up between uh, Jordan Alvarez winning AL MV or AL Player of the Month in September. As I mentioned, Jose Altuve starting to get hot again. Uh, Alex Bregman, who you don't want to get hot, uh, is getting hot in the post er, leading into the postseason. Kind of a counterpoint to to Lewis uh, about taking a game and, and getting it back to uh, getting it back to target field is this is a team that has faced arguably the most adversity on the road of any sporting team in history over the last four years, obviously because of the trash can banging cheating scandal. Yes, we know. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it, but I was going to say it. That. I do want to make sure I clarify. I'm less worried about uh, the crowd. I, I don't think it's going to be the crowd riling you guys up. Uh, I think we need the crowd pumping our guys up is yeah, uh, what I think we need. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the, the Astros are a playoff team. Uh, yes, they've been better on the road this year, but once once they get into the juice box and the juice box is rocking, that's when this team gets supercharged. I mean, this is a team that's played in Dodger Stadium and won. This is a team that's played in Yankee Stadium and won. This is a team that threw a no-hitter against Phillies fans who are, you know, unreal, uh, especially especially in the wildcard round. Uh, so playoff, the, the atmosphere of the fans, I'm not, no offense, I'm not concerned about it. Uh, the keys for us is going to be get that offense going, get a lead early, and... Uh, don't let it get to Minnesota. Let's just end it early. I mean, it has to go to um, Minnesota. We, we, yeah, we have to go there. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk uh, then our predictions here, uh, Phil. Uh, what's uh, how many games does this go? Who wins? Uh, I'd go with before the fall, right? Astros in four. I. I my heart says twins in five. Um, I I like that game three matchup for us. I think that is the most winnable one. Um, if we can take if we can take one of the first two, I I like this game going to five. If we can't, I think we take game three, and then yeah, Astros in four. That said, because of what Phil talked about, the Astros being kind of a streaky team at times on offense, the Twins have been a streaky team on offense. Both rotations have guys that have absolutely shoved, but also have had those games uh, mm-hmm. in the postseason before that um, 
I honestly have no idea what to expect out of the series. Nothing would surprise me. Uh, I feel like any one of these pitchers could throw a no-hitter or get lit up uh, on any given night. Um, I, I think the Astros have the edge, but I don't think it's as much of an edge as some of the uh, the armchair uh, pundits think it is. I, I'll say this. This, this, is, this is an Astros team that has had to scrap for the first time in years right they they were very close to to not making the playoffs this year now now, uh, now time to be to be fair to be fair uh this this is a team that was also without jose altuve and jordan alvarez for sure. more yeah, than yeah, no I, I was actually going to say this thing that into, into a positive here is that is that this is a team that that you know, it has to be a scrappy team kind of for the first time. And in that way, like my, I actually was a, before I started talking was going to say twins and four, but because of the fact that the Astros in September, the, you know, when's the last time the Astros played meaningful baseball in September, right? Um, the, the fact that they did this year, I think, uh, I think kind of gives the edge. I think it, I, I'm going to say five games, uh, but I think it's Astros and five. That's, that's where I'm going. And I actually was going to say twins. I was going to go like, no, I think the twins are going to pull this out but uh, i think just because the astros spent september like actually like in playoff mode where the twins didn't have to <laughs> you know because they play in a in a much less difficult division yeah, I, where uh, i do want to for everyone who is clamoring about the twins record being worse than some of like the other al playoff teams we took the foot off that like we gave Royce Lewis two weeks off. He says his hamstring feels no different, and he hit two home runs uh, this week on the same hamstring that sidelined him for the last two weeks. Same with Carlos Correa. Like, we have been resting down the stretch. I, The last game of the season, we lost an in extra innings with a position player on the mound, and that wasn't because we had run out of bullpen arms. Um we we just wanted that over, so uh, this yeah, but I mean, is better I than eighty seven you know, wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. I think I think, but I mean, I think the Astros are better than ninety wins too. Like to Phil's point, that you know they they yeah. were missing some of their best players for a big chunk of the season. So I it's and it's one of those things, you know, of the the Twins took the foot off the gas, and sometimes, oftentimes, that's not a good sign in October because now they're not, you know. Whereas the, the team that's been on the gas for all of September is the team that ends up. So that that's that's why I'm going Astros here. But I, I like I really wanted to go Twins. The whole like for the last ten minutes, I've been like, I think the Twins are going to take this. I, I'm I'm going Twins now. And then I'm, suddenly, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys here. If the Twins beat the Astros, I'm not going to be surprised. It's yeah, it's no, been, me neither. I, it, it, well, it won't come as a shock to me. I'll be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, where I where I will give them the advantage at, and which is a pretty a pretty staunch advantage is experience. This is a team full of guys who've yeah. been there, who've been through been through multiple World Series, multiple ALCSs. Like they have the playoff experience, they know what it takes to get it done, and that's why that's why I feel they have the advantage here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think all those pieces together, the experience, the September, the all of that, I think kind of puts it together for the Astros for me. But the Twins, I think, have the right pieces. I think if they don't win 
you know, if they don't win this series this year, I think they'll be back next year. And as long as they're not to face the Yankees, they could they could get pretty far as well. But, you know, like I said, they don't have to face the Yankees, which is really good for them because they like that could that could be the difference maker here. They could, hey, you know, Lu- finally. Lewis, I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. Uh, you let us have this one. And then next year, we'll take care of the Yankees for you guys. so You can win the World Series. How's that sound? Oh, I would. I go. mean, it, it's it's tempting because. You know the rest of the division doesn't doesn't look that close. The Tigers are starting to concern me a little bit, though. So they still have um, they still the, have a little bit of a ways to unlike, go. Though this is the thing: unlike the Astros and the Dodgers and the Braves, uh, we are a team and a fan base that does not feel any confidence that we'll be back. Like we're playing with house money right now, but at the same time, there's that yeah. urgency that hey, man, this this might be. This might be the chance. Uh, I mean, you know, the, most of this roster is back next year, right? You still have uh, Lewis, Sonny you still have Gray Correa, still is have... a free agent, and he has been Sonny a Gray's big, big part. One, yeah, um, right. but, yeah. Sonny Gray is going to be a Cardinal next year, but the rest of these guys, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> the Cardinals need pitching, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll give you one um, brand yeah, new yeah, yeah. Well, the Cardinals need pitching, man, like for real. Like, we're not talking about... <laughs> hey, Dallas Eichel uh, is available. Hey. He did pretty decent for us every other game down the stretch. What are we, what are we talking about here? Like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, <laughs> it's, it's gray. It's gray and Nola, or it's bust. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and I think I said it in the in the Phillies Brave segment, which is coming up next too. But um, all right, let's cut to that segment. Let, let's go because because uh, we have gone over time, like we said we would. Uh, and uh, Lewis, Phil, thanks so much for coming back on and doing this. And and I hope you guys stick on uh, back in the off season again because uh, I've missed you. I've missed talking to you. I, I was like, I have to do this segment, no question, because I need to talk to Lewis and Phil. Yeah, I I have missed it. I have really enjoyed time away. I didn't, man, like we haven't even talked about. It. I haven't even been able to congratulate you on Pakistan's Cricket World Cup uh, round robin win today over the Netherlands. Like, come on, what's yeah, what's going on? True. Well, it's <laughs> Netherlands, you know, it's, it's a round robin. They're supposed to win that. They're the they're the best ranked team in the uh, world. All but, right, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll be back to talk some other time about this. Hopefully, yeah. well, one of us should be back next round. Uh, hopefully, and I'm Jordan That's- Lyles is available. Hey, let's not actually he's not. He's got another year on this contract. You can go get Jordan Lyles, your favorite. Jordan, Jordan isn't Jordan Lyles uh does he have a he has a player option or something like that, right? He's he's under contract for the Royals next year. He's not he's not available. It, it was it was awesome to be back. It's always good to talk to you guys. Uh I have loved you and missed you so much. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad to have you all back and hope and definitely we'll have at least one of you back next week and hopefully uh, going forward. Uh, but uh, it's time now to talk, to cut to that uh, Phillies Brave series with Pat and Dylan. Welcome back. Uh, I don't know what segment was tossed to from here, but uh, uh, I am here with Pat and Dylan to talk about the upcoming National League Division Series between the Phillies and the Braves. How's it going, guys? Oh, we're doing this again. <laughs> here we go again. I was going to say, there's a chance I've done this like three times, and there's a chance this is the first time I've done it. So I'm either really groggy or really excited. 
you know, we've we've seen this matchup all season, so there's not uh, a lot really necessarily to surprise here, except for you know guys showing up in big games. I'll start uh, Dylan with the Braves rotation, which is nice and healthy, nice and rested, led by Spencer Strider. What are we looking at uh, pitching matchup wise here for the first uh, for the for the division series? Was the healthy part a bit? <laughs> not to be rude but yeah i'm actually not, uh... curious as well was that a bit i will tell you charlie morton is not pitching in this series because he like tweaked his finger like exactly like six like 14 days ago which means that he was unable to be put on the roster which is a really fun caveat and max freed has a blister um, so he's going to pitch, but would not call him like fully healthy. So I didn't mean to put you on the spot. So I apologize. But... No, I, I yeah, I, I just mean compared to the 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 Phillies who had to put their two best pitchers in the uh, in the wild card, the Braves are as healthy as they could be. <laughs> well, okay, you, you, all right, you, sure. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, like they're not Here's they're the not thing. tired. They're just they're they're what Here's, they were yeah, going to be. They're very, at the, they're very well rested. They're well I'll rested. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, Strider, I think, is at his best when he's got maximum time. And last year, he was coming off an oblique injury, I believe. Um, that was like, is he gonna? Is kind of like the Morton thing. Is like, is he gonna pitch? Like, it's kind of weird. Um, and then he was terrible. You know, he was he was just not good there. Now he's fully rested, fully healthy. I think that is the biggest advantage we have is he's going to be going game one against probably Walker, whoever the Phillies want to throw in there. Um, and then after that is where it just, you know, like I said, Freed is good, right? There's no doubt about it. But um, blisters are weird. He's dealt with it before. Um, he kind of has to have that grip for that big curveball and all the, you know, he's kind of a, tact- or a technician, you know, as a pitcher. So if he doesn't quite have it, it could get, it could look a little weird. It might burn through a pitch count kind of fast. Um, and then the biggest problem is losing Morton means Bryce Elder slots into number three. And, you know, I shout out to Bryce Elder. He deserved his all-star selection. Like he overperformed so much of his expectations he didn't start the year even on the roster compared to guys that were like clearly worse than him but like he's not very good (laughs) like i just have like essentially no faith in him being quality especially against the phillies um so it's just I, i don't feel great about the pitching necessarily the bullpen was actually really bad over the last month or two doesn't mean everything but it means something um so I think they're fairly vulnerable in the pitching spot, but I think like a strong game one from Strider would make a lot of Braves fans just go, you know, oh, thank God. You know, like it's just yeah. I think because if it doesn't get there, I think the road is very difficult, but that would ease a lot of, you know, racing hearts right now. Pat, for the Phillies, is it is it Walker or Suarez lined up for, for game uh, one it's, here? It's probably Ranger. Yeah, yeah, I had I, no I idea. Sh- if, if it's walk, if it's Walker, I'd be shocked. The Braves really beat up on Walker a few months back. Or a if, few, if it's know, Walker over, if it's Walker over even Sanchez, I I think I'd be just angry. I was gonna <laughs> say, I think we had talked about this a little bit previously, but the Phillies are in a really unique position because they have like six guys that can start a game, right? I don't know if Lorenzen's right. back on the roster. He, I mean, he's not going to, but like 
We could if they needed to, right? <laughs> yeah. But like the Braves, <laughs> hey, maybe he throws a postseason no hitter, you know? Yeah, but like the Braves, I don't think have like I think they might get AJ Smith Shaver on the roster, but like I don't think they really even have a fourth guy um, right. right now, at least without you know if they make it to the NLCS more. No, it's a real, it's a real D back situation. <laughs> yeah, but while. Yeah, I, I mean, Pat can continue, but Sanchez and Suarez and Walker are, like, real guys, even if they're not, like, amazing. But um, I wasn't sure, like, how they were going to be lined up, really. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be Ranger game one. Um, and, I mean, that's it's the right move to go with. Um, he's been pretty solid his last few starts, uh, especially to um, kind of wind down the season in September. Um, obviously, he pitched in the hangover game, so he wasn't really good in that one, which was his last start. But, like, you know, he's been quality. And, like, he's he's one of those pitchers that he has ice in his veins when it comes to big moments. Like, we saw that in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, the moment wasn't too big for him. So, he's probably going game one. And then, like, it's really interesting with how the off days line up with this series. I was going to say, I think Wheeler will be on normal rest. Yep, Wheeler will be game two. Nola will be game three. If it gets to a game four, it would be Ranger again. Um, (gasps) And then game five would be Wheeler. I mean, that's a a good position to be in. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Or, you know, even game four could be Sanchez with Ranger piggybacking in that. You know, I don't know what they plan on doing there, but. Yeah, they could definitely get creative. It, it, it's, it's nice to not have to have four men in your rotation even like for a team that has four guys they could throw it's nice yeah. to not need to have them until the the uh, championship series and it's no nice that we'd be able to get two games out of wheeler if we need to like right. that's the big big thing in this because wheeler is just lights out when it comes to the postseason like we saw it last yeah. year and you know against the marlins he was fantastic yeah, and he's really the scary guy there. Like, I mean, Aaron Nola is really good, but Wheeler is like he's just Wheeler's really, really great. Wheeler's right Wheeler's a Braves killer. He's yeah. he's always been that in his career, and you know, I feel good, especially if Nola's outing against the Marlins. I feel really good about him right now too. Um, especially Man, I how good Wheeler was two years ago. That was <laughs> what a wild season, dude. Wheeler uh, has like like low key been probably one of the best free agent pitching signings in probably history just given what yeah, he's I mean, done it, over it, that yeah. contract like yeah shockingly so so yeah. I, I i feel good about how our pitching is going to line up um against the braves and like that's the big thing is in october it's yeah the, the lineup's a big thing but pitching is what carries you in october um, that is true uh uh, speaking of lineups, we'll, we'll start, Pat, with uh, the Phillies lineup, which uh, has Bryce Harper uh, playing first base, <laughs> which is still just a strange thing to be true, you know? It's like, just... Dude, I think he's a full-time first baseman for the rest of his career now. I, I honestly think that's where he's going to be the rest of his mm. career. It seems within reason. Uh, I guess it depends on, you know, what the Phillies offseason looks like, if they move him back to the outfield or not. Um, but... You know, he's not. He wouldn't be the first guy to move from right field to first base. <laughs> you know, like that's that's like a fairly normal move. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the the Phillies' offense and uh, and how you think that that matches up. I mean, it's not going to match up to Atlanta's. Obviously, Atlanta Atlanta had the modern day murderers row. Yeah, but this this team is built 
for playoff baseball for playoff series especially this lineup because like Thompson can organize it any way he wants and everyone can deliver like we saw against the lefties he had Bohm hitting third and Harper hitting cleanup he had Pache in the lineup and hitting Bohm third made a difference having Pache in the lineup made a difference and and Hoagie you know, Fest and and Schwarber Fest Schwarber is Fest, back, baby. Yeah. Oh, crap, Schwarber I forgot Fest. about Hoagie Fest. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Schwarber Fest is back for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and you know, this is was a historic lineup for the Phillies this year too, because this is the first time we've ever had six guys hit twenty home runs in the lineup. Right. Um. With you know, Turner, Relmuto, Bohm, Schwarber, Cassianos, Harper. Uh, so like, which by the way really is only on that. is only one less than the Braves had. Yeah. The, Braves only, the Braves only had seven guys hit. Uh, now, you know, you want to talk about the home oh. run numbers that changes, but they uh, they only had oh, hundred <laughs> percent. But but you know, if you're talking about if you, the the numbers don't necessarily like once you get to this point of the season, you know, uh, Matt Olson not going to hit fifty four home runs in the playoffs. So no. well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but like it's now. it's it's neat how this lineup's constructed and the options they have and honestly like the big the big addition to the lineup this year was Johan Rojas coming up like yeah. he's been such a dude in that lineup and like just this whole lineup is just dudes that grind at bats like Bryson Stott's yeah. a menace like Bryson Stott's yeah. development this year has been such a blessing for this team and and even Bohm really having you know better development this year right. Yeah, and I think the thing so, that Rojas did though is that they he fixed the. I mean, Harper did this and Rojas contributed to this, but they fixed their defense by yes getting Schwarber out of the outfield. <laughs> getting and, Schwarber out of left is a huge thing. Like because right, the, every the time, outfield defense is crazy now. Yeah, I mean, you'd look at the lineup and be like, well, I mean, Schwarber and Castellanos are going to give that away. Right, you know what I mean? Right. And now yeah. you don't really have to worry about that in the same degree, and they're have right. like. Rojas is not like an amazing hitter, but he's obviously competent and he's a great fielder. You know, and Pache is uh, yeah. a great fielder. The 2011 World Champion field. Cardinals had um, uh, Matt Holiday in left field and like forty-year-old yeah. uh, uh, Lance Berkman in right. So like, I definitely feel that. <laughs> That's like, it's you know, you, you'll see yeah. that a lot with with teams that have like, hey man, that bat really plays, uh, but that glove I'm does busy. not. I'll, and so I'll yeah, having the flexibility to. Have Johan Rojas okay. in there, and and you know, Brandon Marsh not have to play center field and like something. stuff like that is is it really made I the team make more sense? Yeah, for sure. Please, um, yeah, for, for again for a team like the Phillies who have okay, she'll be home. Go upstairs. Four DHs, three, four, maybe five. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I mean, Hoskins is hurt. I'd say he's true. Fourth. Hoskins is hurt. So yeah, Schwarber, you know, Castellanos, um, Harper, yeah. Boom. I mean, I just here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think Alec Bohm is good at baseball. <laughs> However, I say that knowing that he's going to at least have one game where he smokes like a three-run double. Like, you know, it's yeah. just it's going right. to happen that way. I don't think he's very good, but I give Bohm credit like it feels like when the lights are on him, he plays really well, especially like his defense just gets like better when the lights are on him. Like he has also, some like, pretty good plays true. against the Marlins. 
his hitting is kind of geared toward like he's kind of a contact hitter. He's first, a contact dude, yeah, right. and that kind of helps in situations where you know he's he's a grinding at bats and all that. Yeah, like you, know? you said so in, like, in 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 the playoffs, like guys like that, you kind you like yeah. you get on base and you're changing the complexion of the game. He's not that's, just that's, he's not just swinging wildly, right? You know? He's right. not he's not Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about uh, yeah the the inaugural Silver Slugger Award for team uh, going to the <laughs> going to the Atlanta Braves um, and talk about this offense, which does have yeah just guys up another lineup. Uh, nobody in this lineup didn't hit fifteen home runs. Yeah, it was disgusting. Um, I mean, everyone knows Acuna is at the top. Acuna has I have zero reason to believe that Acuna is not going to be great. I just he's just been so locked in. He killed the Phillies this year. You know he's going to be there. I think Riley is going to do great. You know Olsen might be streaky, but he's going to connect on a couple. Um, you know you kind of looking at guys like Ozzy who had a awesome awesome year. <laughs> like almost he like I know you were just talking like the Phillies had like you know. How many guys that hit 20 home runs? The Braves almost had four guys that hit 40 home runs. Yeah. Or five guys that hit 40 home runs. They had five guys hit 35, you know, which is just disgusting. And uh, Ozzy hit 33, but yeah, close. 33, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, like, <laughs> for for a guy that, you know, with the skill set he does, that's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, for what the Phillies had one guy hit four, uh, hit. 30, and that's Schorber who hit 47. Yeah. The uh, the Braves had four guys who hit – oh, sorry, five guys who hit at least 30, which is – I mean, that is nuts. That's, like, that's insane, you know? Yeah, objectively <laughs> And you crazy. can, I guess, the, you can put Harper into the guys who should have hit 40 and, like, didn't, yeah. but, like, it's – Right, he had a great season. Um, yeah. I think the easiest way to, like, kind of describe how this Braves offense was is that the first, like, two months of the season – and I'm sure this was on the podcast in like, you know, my voice said things like this was that Marcelo Zuna looked like he needed to get cut from the team because he was a bad person playing bad baseball. Right. Yep. You can get away with being a bad person if you play good baseball, but he was horrible. Uh, I was like the worst the, player. That's not the express opinion of this podcast. That is Dylan's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> there are many bad people that play baseball is, is the that objective is fact. That is true. Um, yeah. He had a 400, 500 OPS as a DH. You know right. what I mean? And yeah. then Michael Harris looked like he had never seen Major League breaking balls before for two months and got hurt and was still not good. Right. And I mean, at least Marcelo Harris had the defense Zuna, of being 22, you know? <laughs> like Yeah, he's 22. But, like, you know, it was like, like man, we thought this was the guy. We just paid a bunch of money and we yeah. had to demote him. That's genuinely how I felt. Uh, Michael Harris ended the season with 800 OPS and about four war playing pristine center field defense. So he hit so well after those first two months that he was basically back to being one of the top five or so center fielders in the league. Uh, Marcelo Zuna finished the year with 40 home runs, 100-plus RBIs, and and 900 OPS. Like <laughs> it's, That's insane. <laughs> like, I, like, after I, t- I, I was like, I could not have been more clear that I wanted him off the team because of how bad he was. He yeah. literally was their best hitter for the last like three months of the season on a team that included Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, uh, and it's... On, on June sixth, Michael Harris had a four ninety OPS. Uh, since yeah. June sixth, nine twelve. Yeah, and Azuna's is probably even yeah more ridiculous. similar. I mean, yeah. it probably had slightly higher early because, but he was providing no you know value anywhere else. Right, but just absolutely smoked the ball for f- four straight months. 
Um, yeah. So, Ozuna, yeah, it's just Ozuna's like... lowest was, I think, uh, 444 on May 2nd uh, and yeah. finished with a 905. So, yeah, since May 2nd, it's uh, 967. 38 of his 40 home runs came since May 2nd. <laughs> Yeah, and he was the hottest guy to end the season, you know, like yeah. while they were kind of like, you know, oh, we're just coasting the end of the season. He was just, he just kept going. Um, so that's the easiest kind of way to describe this is that, like, even these spots were like, oh, man, I'm not sure we got it. It's just we're we're dominant, you know, at certain points of the season. So it might just depend on which of the guys catch fire, you know, because it's not going to be none. You know, and it's just there's just too many good guys to just get shut out. It's not this isn't a Rays team. The Rays had a lot of good hitters with flaws. Yeah, these guys have flaws, but they're not and, all uh, going to strike Rays out. And the Rays' hitters' flaws once. were their defense. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> yeah, there was that. Yeah. That was a that was that a was whole pretty other bad story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this Braves lineup just has that ability. You know, it's constructed this way, right? They've kind of committed to this barrels over everything approach. Um, and this has just been, I think, one of those years where it all came together, right? Especially for Ronald Acuna. You know, everything just, uh, what could have gone better? You know, nothing, basically. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, will they get that cluster kind of luck? You know, will it all come at once, like a swarm? You know, will they kind of spread it out a little bit? Acuna did have a lot of heart. He, I think he's, he set the record for the number of like barrels that were outs which is like a weird fringe stat but it's like something that Statcast recorded he had like 30 barrels that were caught for outs so like 30 like you know what is the criteria like 15 plus launch angle 100 some miles an hour you know like drilled hits that were caught so you know bad luck can happen even if you hit the ball hard yeah. Um, but as far as talent, like it would be disingenuous of me to believe that, you know, they aren't perfectly prepared for a playoff series. No, I mean it on is the like, offensive side. Yeah, they they are the talent is clearly there. I mean they were they were insane this season. The one thing I will say is that like it feels like they really can't take a single injury. <laughs> like if, if anybody gets hurt, yeah. mm-hmm. then they're like they're hosed, you know? Yeah, and they had really great injury luck on offense this year. They did not have that with the pitching, but it didn't really matter because the right. offense because the so offense well, was right? so good. Yeah. Um. I, and I would say I will say the one weakness over the last few months has been Sean Murphy, and I, yeah. I don't want to put like too much on him because obviously he's a really good player. He was like the inverse of the of the um, Harris and uh, yeah and Azuna. He started things. off great and just steadily went down. He still finished like an 840, 850. Right. So like, you know, the final tally doesn't look bad or anything, but he kind of just stagnated really hard. He was hitting the ball basically hard into the ground. Yeah. Um, And that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world because he's still hitting the ball hard, but um, maybe something to monitor where a guy that was like, oh, this guy is like the best catcher in the league. He's now like the seven eight hitter <laughs> in this lineup, which is kind of funny still. Um, but you know they might need a little bit more boost than they've been getting from him. Um, but certainly he's capable. For him, he know? had a a ten ninety two OPS on May fifth, and since then it's been seven fifty two. So, yeah, and and that's a little and more for, pronounced. For all these guys, I've been choosing the their, their apex, so like the highest or lowest that they've been. Um, I would be interested to see. If they use Darno in a certain spot, um, yeah. they've liked using uh, Rosario and Pilar in a platoon. Um, so, like, 
if the Phillies do go game one, Ranger score is like maybe Kevin Pillar starts, you know, like, I don't know. Um, that that would probably be what I think. Happened. Yeah, that's the one thing Rosario, Rosario hit twenty home runs and didn't do a whole lot of much else. You know, like yeah, so he's fine. like the one guy. You know, he's like the like Rosario is either the best hitter in the world or just like totally forgettable. Yeah. You know, and there's very little in between. Um, he had one month where I think he won like NL Player of the Month or like you know like was like in the running, and then was otherwise just totally ordinary like yeah. mediocre. Um, and Pilar is obviously a better fielder. Right. Um, so that would be an advantage there. So if there is a weakness, it's in that seven, eight hole, but like, you I mean, know, what's it gonna weakness be not that far, is so you know? like, relative, yeah. you know, like <laughs> exactly. every other team is like, well, we got to squeeze in our catcher. And it's like, yeah, our catcher had, you know, an 850 OPS, you know, and we have a platoon and left field that's, you know, better than at least some. So can't complain. Uh, Murphy, by the way, his second half OPS uh, was 585. So, yeah, really, it was not good. Nice. <laughs> yeah, really, really quite not good. If the first half of the season was 306, 400, 599 for a 999 OPS, second half 159, 310, 275 for a 585 OPS. And a 310 on base percentage, like in the seven hole, it's not right. a bad thing to have, you know? Like, right. And exactly. Like, it's not like he's like worthless, right? It's like he's yeah. still like a similar kind of approach at the plate is just that all the balls that he was smoking into the walls were going straight at the third yeah basement. and yeah. and the kind of thing that you know n- not to look too far ahead but like the kind of thing that if if it continues over the postseason then can be fixed in the offseason it feels you know mm-hmm. um because like like you said the, the the approach is still there and that's what had been working for him before and um, because it's the freaking braves they have another guy that can hit at catcher yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah they have a, they have a, a silver slugger at <laughs> as their backup mm-hmm. catcher <laughs> like a, a, an all-star and silver sl- he was an all-star I last year see your silver yeah. slugger catcher and raise you the chief officer of vibes Garrett <laughs> the chief slut officer, according to Ben. He is just the best, man. Give him a lifetime contract. I don't care. I saw I saw I a, a tweet that was like, what is a what is a, a male thought job? And the reply was Philadelphia Philly. The Pat's favorite term for the Phillies has just been I love how slutty this team oh, dude, is. They, like <laughs> This is what I love and why I believe in this team more than I did last year. It's mm. how much they love each other. Like yeah, these dudes, they, they have a crazy genuinely vibe. love each other and they yeah, genuinely I mean, the, the want to win for the city. Uh, that's, that's you know, if you're if you're it's going based on vibe. vibes alone, then then you, it's hard to beat the Phillies vibes. Like you know, they they clinched last night, had their party in the clubhouse, and then went over to Xfinity Live to party with the fans. Yeah, like you don't yeah. see a team do it's that. Different. It's I was gonna so say the different. Braves have really good vibes, but like the Phillies vibes are like like just like through the uncomfortably roof. awesome. So, yeah. Somebody pointed out to me the other day that uh, Kyle Schwarber has only missed the playoffs once in his career. Yes, I was. I pointed that out. Did, was that you? Okay, I, I wasn't that sure was if that was me. you or somebody was that? at twenty twenty. Twenty nineteen. Twenty twenty. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yep, the, right. the, the Cubs did make twenty twenty, but no, twenty nineteen Cubs were uh, finished third in the NL Central. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's wild. What a wild thing. So, like, yeah. I mean, and and you know, Schwarber, who has not been great this year. Yes, it's Schwarber Fest, but like, if you want to talk about vibes, you know, <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah, 
like he 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 is you know at this point he is coast his career is coasting on vibes and home runs and like nothing else. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and walks. That's, and hey, walks. If you have to have two things, vibes and home runs are good. That's that's true. That well, there was true. like an article that was published. Like Kyle Schuber does everything he can to like have a relationship with everyone in the clubhouse. He went to like the psychedelic museum with Nick Cassianos in Denver, dude, and that's was like, incredible. "It's not for me, but it was pretty cool." Yeah, uh, that's, I mean that's, <laughs> that's great. Nick. You know what? That's great. Like that is that is that's, that's I mean that's just that's being a good teammate, right? Like yeah, there may like, not be a better team is all about. There man. may not be a better teammate they, in baseball they than Kyle Schwarber. Love each other. They're yeah. just like extremely gay and slutty for each other. Like <laughs> if you look at the wild card celebration <laughs> photo, and at some Bryce, point I feel like Bryce I have to Harper. bleep the word slutty. Like I feel like. <laughs> Bryce Leave Harper it. is just openly holding Bryson Stott's hand in the celebration photo. Uh, like, yeah. it's incredible how these dudes are. They want each other yeah. so bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I'm, I'm trying to get They're that Harper hair. I, I posted, I posted in our in our Slack channel that I like got a headband. And I'm trying to do the Harper, and it just mm. isn't working for me. Like it works for yeah. Bryce, you know. <laughs> that should be our new logo. Me with the headband. The Harper on? Band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get, um, um, Michael Harris is he has a Joker headband. Does he? Yeah. Um, that's that's is uh, is it like the meme? Is it like like the meme Joker picture? Or is it like a? Um, no. I mean, I think it's like it's not like actually. I, I think it's like an illustrated Joker. Yeah, yeah, I see it. It is a junk band too. Do, do they sell these? Hold on, oh, junkbands.com. Hey, junk bands, if you want to sponsor <laughs> uh, junk brands, if you want to sponsor the podcast, uh, I will wear a headband yeah. uh, in all future TikTok videos, which we have not posted any yet. Um, but once we start posting we'll TikTok start videos, yeah. I'll wear I'll wear a junk brand headband in every single one. I'll, I'll uh, just get Marissa to record my reactions to every playoff game. <laughs> They'll either be in a great headband. or I'm going to be oh, in a headband. I, yeah, in a headband. Don't I don't forget. know. I don't think the headband will work with the bald. Junk, junk, oh, I oh, think actually, make it work. actually, have you seen a basketball player ever? Oh, that's fair. <laughs> no, all, all I do is watch the Sixers lose. Yeah. <laughs> they got plenty of bald guys in headbands. They don't really right now. I don't know. Um, it's like to have a basketball team to be proud of. <laughs> They just made the the. the uh, Congratulations! Cut. They got knocked out in the second round again. They're terrible. <laughs> and and they have a player who refuses to uh, be good. He mm-hmm. act- actively is saying he's gonna uh, uh, sabotage the team. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, it's cool. Anyway, let's let's move on from, from that. Uh, let's uh, uh, last thing. What are some of the uh, keys to to victory? Uh, let's start again with the Braves. Um, I think, I think that first thing in my head is a strong Spencer Strider game one, like win the one that you need to win, right? right? Which is like, you have the very clear matchup advantage, right? Because they had to burn their two guys already. You don't want to have to rely on Bryce Elder having to pitch against Zach Wheeler or whatever, right? Or like having to beat Zach Wheeler one-on-one. Obviously you can still win that game, but like, if it's like a we got to win this one. And then Bryce has got to go out there. You know, you just don't want to put yourself in that situation. So I think Spencer looking like throwing 98 plus is different than Spencer throwing 95, 96. Right. So that first strong start. And then just like, you know, the guys that might not be as heralded, I'm, I'm not worried about Acuna and Olsen and them at all. I'm just like, 
Michael Harris had a really bad postseason last year. He was still figuring it out. Obviously, I'm not blaming yeah. him for that. But like twenty one, him rookie. having <laughs> a decent series is probably really meaningful as far as a World Series run, and they're gonna have to start that like right now. Um, interestingly enough, they've been scrimmaging the last week, which is like a really they had a fall training basically, which I've never heard of. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I saw that. They, and I was like, I was like, I, I, I immediately thought, is that like a thing that teams do? But last year, I think they viewed themselves as not as prepared as they needed to be, and so this was their way of like just keeping, you know, the, you know, momentum, I guess, a little bit. Um, so I'm curious to see how that'll work out. So, but yeah, I think just like the the lineup is really good. The the pitching is good at the top. Um, it's just a matter of can those middle guys that still very good, but can they have a couple hot games? Because if Michael Harris is hitting and Ozzy Albies is hitting and freaking Orlando Arcee is hitting, then this is this is like easy, you know? <laughs> like it's it yeah. really is. Like it's not it's not gonna be that difficult because the lineup's just too good. By the way, if you want to look like Michael Harris, you can get the Joker serious face headband at junkbrands.com. Let's go. Uh, Pat, it's, it's, if the Braves win the series, you have to buy that. I will buy one. <laughs> if if the Phillies win this still, yeah, I get a parody overalls. <laughs> okay. Is it the striped ones? Yes, the pinstripe ones. <laughs> well, you can get those or you can get the powder blue ones. Whatever right, one you I'll want. I'll take a look. I All feel right. like those are different, you know, cost investments. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll I'll get a I'll get an Acuna jersey or something too. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, uh, Pat, what are what are the sort of keys for the Phillies here? Uh, take take at least one of these games in Atlanta because if we can take one in Atlanta, get it to Philly, and then get that crowd to be as obnoxious as possible. Get get that yeah. crowd to get in their heads because that made a difference like an obnoxious last year. Crowd in Philadelphia. Can't yeah. Can, well, hey, it up? you know, when when our team is average, we're obnoxious and annoying. When we're this good, we are the most savage human beings on the planet. <laughs> Objectively true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get take one of these in Atlanta, get it to Philly, and and do our thing in Philly like we always do. Keep those vibes going because like the Braves are the more talented team, but I think the team with the better vibes like. Vibes in the playoffs, I think, is more important than talent. Because if you have those vibes, you have that momentum going, that carries you a long way. Like we've and, seen and I that what, over the years. I think what we're saying matches up really well, right? Because basically what I'm saying is, like, the Braves need to shut that down immediately. Right. And their best <laughs> chance of doing that is Strider, Strider just bulldozing them in game one. By the way, it is like, so funny that Because that can we're really about... disrupt this. Yeah, it is really funny that – because I agree the Braves have good vibes. Uh, it's funny that we're talking about that compared – like 10 years ago when the Braves had maybe the worst vibes in baseball. <laughs> and and Wh- here we which, are now. Which, which Braves team The, br- the Brian McCann to? team. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you rooted for the Cardinals. Get out of here. <laughs> Cardinals have Cardinals have great vibes. I'm not going to hear anything different. Let's move on. Oh my uh, god! You, you should you should you had you never saw Matt Holiday and Adam Wainwright's secret handshake. It was great. Please. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. That that Spencer Strider game would be key. Like he's eight and zero in his career against Philly. Yeah. Like that's just insane to me that he's pitched so many times yeah. against Philly. But unfortunately, one this one's in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not, so it's not, not in Philly. And he's not going to be pitching 94 miles an hour. I mean, once no. once I saw the 94 on the screen, I didn't even need to see where the baseball went. You know what I mean? It was over. So, 
But that's um, I like think so his much last different. his last outing against Philly. They kind of got to him a little bit, and I'm kind of hoping he, they I can mean, build off that. And he is you know. prone to getting hit. Like yeah. he, like he can like if anyone scares me in that matchup, it's Bryce Harper just getting a hold of one, and then you know like one or one or two guys fluke their way on base, and then Bryce Harper hits home run. That happens to Strider. He had like a three eight ERA. You know, it was yeah. not like the cleanest season of all time despite having right. 280 strikeouts you know what i mean yeah like he can lose but it's a matter of you know if he limits them to two or three as opposed to just getting bulldozed you know i think that's fine. yeah that's, you know, that's i think i think the braves the will get at least a couple runs off of ranger suarez even if he is a good pitcher yeah that's that's the, you gotta outscore spencer or work that pitch count up so you can get into the braves bullpen sooner because yeah. Last year, the bullpen was a strength for the Braves. This year, it's yeah. not as good. And I like the Phillies yeah, I think bullpen better good. right now. Yeah, I, I think it's cl- like last year, I think the Braves bullpen was just better. This year, I think it's probably even. Like, I think the Braves bullpen is still comparable to the Phillies bullpen. But like, yeah, but the Phillies have shown I, yeah. that they can they can handle the, the Braves bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. So, like that's that's God, gonna if be Brad key. Hand pitches. I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> uh, well, don't don't put Iglesias in against Harper for God's sake. Is he on the roster? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen the roster. Yeah, the roster I think should I come I think out tomorrow. Announced the roster yet? But if I mean, if there's feels a like lot Brad of Hand weird guys. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Our best guy is Pierce Johnson now. What? Who? <laughs> Pierce Johnson. <laughs> Pierce Johnson. Like, and I say that like kind of tongue in cheek. He had like a point eight. Not a .76 ERA. Like, I've, I truly, this yeah. guy's been in the league for years. I've never heard of him. He was at the Padres a couple years ago. The Rockies signed him to a contract. He was obviously terrible yeah. with the Rockies because it's Colorado. Colorado and the Braves got right. him for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Cubs, Giants, they also Padres, got Rockies, Atlanta. That's not. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Colin McHugh. Colin McHugh cannot pitch in this series. I cannot. Yeah. I can't take Brad Hand or Colin McHugh in the series. That they, they cannot yeah, be on this roster. That's that the Phillies offense. Like that's like that again. That's another key. The rest, here. especially especially the daycare. The daycare needs to keep it going. Like Stott needs it's to keep daycare. hitting. Bone needs to keep hitting. Rojas needs to keep hitting. Marsh needs to keep hitting. Like those guys got to grind out those yeah. because if those guys are going. The stars will go. Like yeah, it's. This is I, sick I think this is, I mean, a, this is gonna yeah. be this is gonna be it's gonna be a fun series, yeah. Dude, we've I, been saying all year the World Series representative from the NL is coming from this series, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's gonna be a fun series for sure. Uh, uh, so let's let's do predictions, uh, Dylan. What uh, what is you? What do you think is the final? You know, prediction here. I mean, I think we're gonna pick our own teams here. Yeah. I don't think we have any good reason to like. Not I pick our own teams <laughs> right, of in course. Situation, but games. I mean, I think this was this is the team to beat the Braves, right? I think the Phillies are. I will. I will tentatively say, I'll say Braves in four, just to be like I think because I think if they win Game One, I think a lot of that momentum that the Phillies had will be tampered, you know, or dampened down a lot. So I think if they can do that, I think they'll be all right. You know, if they don't, it might get messy, but. Um, I'll I'll be somewhat optimistic after being I'm, I'm usually a pessimist with the Braves you know what I mean I, I've picked the Mets I think all three like all two or three years I've been a part of this podcast to like win the division yeah just because I'm like ah they won't be that great you know <laughs> and then the Braves win 140 in. um <laughs> hit a thousand home runs yeah <laughs> I, I I do think the Braves are a better team but you know there's obvious ways that that can disappear very fast. yeah of course so yeah I'll acknowledge that while saying Braves in four Pat. 
So, like, I don't, like, I'm so conflicted on this, because, like, after sweeping the Marlins last night, I was feeling so cocky, but then I remember it's the Marlins, and, like, hey, (laughs) shout out out Jazz (laughs) Chisholm and Luis Arias for talking all that trash, and then, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Bell I, calling a you know, shot. I mean, got, yeah. got got destroyed. Like it wasn't yeah. close. <laughs> you know, Jazz is like, you know, we're built for the lights on us, and all I can think of is Jazz after that series that Donald Trump made. No, get those lights off. Get those lights off. Like, that's how I think Jazz was after that. Those lights off. Um, I'm I'm gonna give because I'm feeling two ways. My gut says Braves in five. My heart says Phillies in four. Mm-hmm. So here, this is and interesting. It's right? all going to come down to that game one. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're all locked in on game if one. If the Braves take game one, this is going five because I don't think the Phillies, especially after watching the Braves celebrate the NL East title in CBP, would want to watch them awesome. celebrate the. Uh, yeah, congrats. Talking about vibes. Yeah. Well, I congrats think to the champions on I, the CBP. <laughs> I think, well, you know, that's just classy of the Phillies to do. Oh that. yeah, yeah. But it was just, it was really funny to see the Braves celebrate and then all the fans pissed. Yeah, but I think that celebration is what really like kicked the vibes of the Phillies into overdrive. Like, hey, like we can't let this happen again. They have an underdog yeah. spirit, right? They, they do. Um, they always have that. Yeah. It's just, a, but if they go into game one and get the, you know, they get the blank kicked out of them. Right. You know, then a lot of this momentum, I think, swings so really if, fast. If they take, if the Braves take game one, I'm feeling Braves in five. That's what my gut is saying. But my heart, and usually my heart isn't wrong, is saying <laughs> Phillies, Phillies in four. Like, that's that's what my heart says is that. The, this team is playing for more than just a championship. They're playing for this city, uh, you know, especially with the turnaround of Trey that was motivated by the fans the, that the really Trey motivated turnaround. the whole team. Yeah. The, the Trey tournament, like that's like what propelled this team. Yeah. So they're playing I, for James Harden. God, <laughs> I, do, I, I do, want, it, do it for Harden. Do it, do it for James. Do it for James. Daryl Morey is a liar. Do it for James. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I this is kind of similar to Pat. So I say a, you're the tiebreaker here. It, it, so my 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 brain says, I, I think it's going five games. My brain says Braves. My gut says Phillies. And I feel like it's going to be one of those like, like heartbreaker yeah. endings where like in the ninth inning, you know, the the Phillies pull out a win. Like one it of would, those it coming down and to like, Kimbrel would be really funny. Yeah, <laughs> coming down to Kimbrel would be really funny. Could y'all yeah. imagine this coming down to Kimbrel? Oh, like the bases especially in or Atlanta. Yeah, if Game Five <laughs> in Atlanta, Craig closing this out. Like, good Lord. I think it's. I think it's going to be like, like one to like two to two going into the ninth. The Phillies are going to put a run across, and then Kimbrel's going to shut out the Braves. Like something like that is going to happen. So there's, um, this is gonna be it's gonna be weird as hell. I'm confident. It, it's gonna be a wild series. Yeah, so I, I think it's gonna go to five, and I think that fifth game is gonna be like an all time classic. <laughs> that's that's my prediction. And I think I th- I again, my gut says Phillies, my brain says Braves. Officially, I'll say Braves. 
Um, they're yes. just, I mean, they're just so good. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's hard to bet against them. They've been and so like, good all year. If if we lose to them, I don't think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be upset, but I'm not gonna be sure. mad because yeah. like this is a historic yeah. Braves team. Like yeah, there's no and shame I think in losing Braves to them. Fans, I think I think the rivalry part hurts, especially losing to the Phillies twice in a row. But I feel much more comfortable being the team that is the recent champion. That you know what just gets got bested a couple times right but if it was the other way around i'd feel worse you know <laughs> so, yeah. but, but i'm also um, going to take a win if bryce hits a two out two run home run in the top of the ninth and craig kimbrell shuts down the brace <laughs> like I, i'm gonna happen- count that see if that if that happens i will be like genuinely upset <laughs> i mean how can you not be no i think it's like uh, yeah it's, it's one of those like like you can't be so mad that because it, it's bryce harper yeah. but also like but i can visualize it so easily <laughs> it's so it's so within the, the realm of reason that it's like it it honestly i'm sure hurts you a little bit to think about now <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. like um Bri- yeah i have so much respect for bryce like i for i sure. have i have changed my tune on him so much because i really yeah. didn't like him early i feel like in that's career. all I thought baseball he was kind of most of yeah a, a lot of people i, I kind of felt the same way and i think i came around pretty quickly but i mean obviously yeah. in the division it's gonna be a little tougher too but i think i, I but like because early on it was like you know it's one thing I, I feel the same way this is a weird comparison but about james holtzauer um <laughs> the, the jeopardy guy um, <laughs> i, I kind of see what you're going for you know what i'm saying like we're like we're like you come in all cocky but at some point you can back it up you know yeah. like at yeah, some it's point eventually earned yeah, yeah right also they're both vegas guys so there's that uh, see I, yeah. I i loved bryce the moment he came up like sure uh, he i thought he was incredible i was like yeah. I mean, he's dude, always been a huge is... antagonist for the braves though you know what i mean right. so i've always been like oh this thorn in my side but now it's like I don't know. I like just because the vibes of the Phillies are so much different. Like it feels like he's like the true leader of like a thing, you know, rather than just like a great hitter on a yeah. kind of weird team. Well, I mean, he put you know? this yeah. he helped put this team together. He told like right. yeah. these are it, the guys it, you need to bring. Well, here. And and you look at the guys who he sort of came up with, right? Machado and and Trout and like you know Trout has leads the best he can, I guess, right? And Machado like does what he can. Neither one of them is is Bryce Harper in that way, right. like. Harper Harper feels like a di- and and like you know the 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 vibes of the teams that those guys are on right the Padres vibes and the uh the Angels vibes they're they're not uh, even close to the Phillies vibes and and a big part of that is clearly Harper um who who you know is out there every day doing that and like and you know this year even coming back as quickly as he could learning first base like doing everything he could for the team you know he could have played yeah. he could have like rested his laurels and played DH and let Kyle Schwarber play left field he didn't want to do right. that you and know? like yeah. the fact that he's become like such a Philly dude too like yeah yeah he yeah, loves it for here. sure yeah, that's that. That's the thing too. He he clearly loves being in Philly. He gets it. Like he, yeah. yeah. That dude. That dude wants to be the face of Philly sports, and he should be. Like Garrett Stubbs said it best in the Phillies hype video. If you don't understand Philadelphia, come here in October. And if you still don't understand, then get the f out. Yeah. Well, I think there's no better way to end this segment than that. Uh, Dylan, Pat, thanks again for joining. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And we'll now cut to the next segment. All right, folks, welcome back to our final of the uh, matchups, NLDS, uh, Dodgers and Diamondbacks. Joining me for this uh, is uh, 
for representing the Diamondbacks. Uh, you've heard him before on the podcast, maybe if you've been listening for a while. Hack, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, man? I am doing well. Uh, and then uh, first timer on the show, uh, but potentially a long timer because if the Dodgers make a deep run, we're going to have to have him back on. Uh, it is Jiggy. How's it going, Jiggy? I'm good, dude. How, is, how are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, I'll peek behind the curtain real quick. Jiggy started uh, when he joined was on his AirPods, which sounded abysmal grabbed a um, gaming headset, and now sounds great. This is fantastic. I'm so glad <laughs> that we logged on 15 minutes early. That worked out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, we're going to talk about the series real quick. I will note, uh, Hack is actually a Cardinals fan, but lives in uh, <laughs> the uh, Phoenix general area, so does follow the Diamondbacks, but we didn't... The only Diamondbacks fan we know is 15, and we're not putting him on the show. <laughs> It's um, it's actually very like uh, apropos to considering everyone here is like, oh, I'm a Diamondbacks fan, but like, uh, like I followed this team first, and then I root for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it happens pretty often with with like newer teams, like the Diamondbacks and the the Rays and the um, Rockies and Marlins. Like, people have their ancestral team and then their local team, <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well, we're going to let's start talking uh, about the series upcoming. First, let's talk about the series that just happened briefly uh, for the Diamondbacks against the Brewers. Uh, obviously, the Diamondbacks won uh, in kind of surprising fashion. They got to the Brewers pitching um, in a way that was maybe a little unexpected. Uh, Hack, can you talk a little bit about the uh, Diamondbacks uh, wild card series? Um, well, yeah, game one, I have affectionately coined opposite day um, because it was like everything that had kind of been the storyline for the Diamondbacks all year had all of a sudden been flipped on its head. You had six and, you know, six and a third inning or six and two thirds innings of shutout ball from the bullpen, which kind of was everybody's concern in the beginning of the season was, you know, what was the bullpen going to be able to provide? Um, and then you have a 444-foot home run by Corbin Carroll and a stolen base by Christian Walker. <laughs> um, so, like, everything was the opposite of what it should have been. Yeah. Um, but it worked out. And, you know, Brandon fought, you know, had to be the game one starter. Again, not something anyone really uh, expected or even wanted. I mean, in I mean, especially because like, that game started with Fott giving up three runs right away, which is like, oh, right, this feels like what was going to happen. And then <laughs> Fott comes out and, like you said, yeah. they shut down the the – uh, rest of the game and managed to score those six runs. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, in, in game two, it was kind of, you know, it was the answer backs, which has kind of been what's affectionately they've been known here for a little while is they just have this knack of when they get punched, they punch back. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of what happened in game two. They, again, were down early and then found a way to come back. And, um, the 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 big key there, or I guess the big question mark in the middle of the game was uh, Gabby Moreno, and he you know took that hit to the head, um, which uh, everybody kind of on the team kind of took exactly how they should of just yep it was an accident we're just moving on and uh, obviously the big question mark there is it's pretty well known at this point that the Diamondbacks with Moreno and without Moreno are two different teams. Um, and so, I mean, just being able for them to kind of just stay the course in that game and ultimately not really survive, but Gallon kind of got better over over the course of the game um, was huge. 
Now, uh, moving on to this upcoming series, the rotation here, obviously Gallon had to pitch game two there, so I would assume Merrill Kelly starts game one and then probably Fott comes back for game two and then Gallon, or is Gallon going to pitch on short rest in game two? And then, you know, is Tommy Henry in the mix? What is How does the rotation line up for the division series? Because the Diamondbacks have two and a half starters, I would say. <laughs> right, so this this lines up fairly much uh it, it sounds like we're going to be back onto the, the general rotation here it's going to be uh kelly game one gallon game two and then if uh if we if if everything goes to plan uh it'll be brandon fought game three and then we'll come back around if if there's a game four and game five um so it should be pretty much ones against ones from here out um uh, at least from a Diamondbacks perspective. Yeah. Now, when we say ones against ones, uh, I think one of these things is not like the other, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Correct, how, do, yes. how do we? How do you feel about the Diamondbacks rotation against the uh, Dodgers? Um, so, I what I've kind of, uh, I guess, gathered about this version of the Diamondbacks is you kind of have to expect the unexpected. Uh, especially with that game one in Milwaukee. Um, they, they are no longer your, uh, your dad's Diamondbacks, which is uh, kind of the same old, same old group, um, which we'll obviously see because this, this, this is always what happens with the Diamondbacks is they have to go to L.A. at some point. And, you know, uh, as much as nobody would like to admit it, this is, our, this is the, um, the Yankees to our Red Sox. Um, we have to go to LA. We got to beat LA. Now, hold on. Everything runs through LA. The, your Rays, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I believe the Red Sox in this uh, situation are the Giants, right? That's. I mean, we can't. Let's not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if we, get, if we don't want to get. It, yeah, if we don't want to get it twisted. Yes, yes, correct. Um, but essentially, yeah, that it's it's going to be one of those things where it is going to be our, you know. The, the ace and especially with Merrick Kelly, he's the hometown kid. Um, and it's going to be a true Arizona versus California matchup. Um, I guess, I guess Arizona, Texas matchup, if you're going to go all the way back on Kershaw's history. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially you've got a desert mountain high school product who went to Arizona state uh, and is now an Arizona Diamondback. who's going to have to lead the charge into Dodger stadium to try to survive this series. I, uh, I will say hack. I love that you always know, anybody who went to high school in Arizona and what high school they went to. Uh, Somebody has to. <laughs> Hack tweets about the Cardinals a lot. And anytime Nolan Gorman hits a home run, he says it's the pride of Sandra Day O'Connor high school. That's the only way I know what high school he went to because Hack tweets it all the time. <laughs> uh, Jiggy, let's talk about the Dodgers rotation, which is not the Dodgers rotations of the past. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, you, this is not this is not this is not you know the the dodge rotation that maybe we've seen the last few years. This is a Dodgers rotation. Clayton's still there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's changed a bit. We're uh, got kind of sixty percent of Clayton Kershaw as he's pitched through a shoulder injury. So I am, uh, if I have to make one prediction about the series, it's that we do not see a Dodger starter in the sixth inning. Uh, that's uh, it's a lot of guys that are going to be throwing three, four innings. So game one, Kershaw, he'll give us his five of whatever October Kershaw has for us this year, sitting with that 89-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, game two, though, is, I think, 
guess I shouldn't paint with two uh two broadest strokes. But game two, Bobby Miller, that's the one I am excited for. He's been everything that's been advertised, the hardest fastball in the league, the slider that has three different shapes depending on which team he's playing. So that'll be a good one. But after that, it's not really working with starters anymore. It's going to be kind of uh, Lance Lynn, Ryan Yarbrough, Ryan Pepio, Emmett Sheehan, three-inning piggyback kind of thing. Um, so it's it's certainly not what it has been, but September, I will say, gave me a, gave me some hope. Pepio came back. He hit through like 45 or so uh, things once he was finally off the injured relief, or sorry, injured list to start the year. He had a 2.1x ERA Emmett Sheehan. The ERA is not quite as pretty, but the last few weeks he had a few uh, long relief outings where he was carving guys up, so there's there's some optimism. And then my favorite weird Dodgers anecdote of the year is the uh, starter slash long man, giving myself a bit of a <laughs> bit of a wide margin there, traded at the deadline with the lowest ERA this year was Ryan Yarbrough. So we got some guys that are some degree of competency, but it's not it's not what it was in the past. It's, it's, it's not it's fascinating to look Kershaw's at given a seven. Yeah. Yeah, because last year the um the Dodgers had four guys who threw 125 or more innings, all with sub three ERAs. This year they have right, one yeah. and it's Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like it's it, yeah. You know, it, and, you and, don't and, want to be in a position where uh where Kershaw's the guy who you're counting on to give you innings, especially at this stage of his career. So it's it's a little precarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it still feels like, and, and, and then the bullpens as well. I think, you know, the Diamondbacks obviously traded for Paul Seawald, who has not quite been the Seawald that he was, but is still good and have an otherwise okay bullpen around him that did like, like uh, Hack said, did surprisingly well <laughs> in the wild card series. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Dodgers have guys who are good <laughs> in that bullpen and then guys who are less good. So it's a bullpen. I mean, it's it is a, it is a fascinating Dodgers pitching staff compared to what we have been seeing at the last, you know, nearly a decade of Dodger dominance. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a bit different, but uh, there's uh, even what if it's not the same old people, but it's the same. Uh... What, is, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing as usual, just with different faces. You know, Ryan Brazier has a seven something or other ERA in Boston and came over to LA and had a point seven over forty innings. There's yeah. Shelby Miller coming out of nowhere. Joe Kelly was amazing after the deadline. Bruce Gratterall, I think, had a near one ERA. Like there's. There's a lot of turnover. There's no Kenley Jansen coming in to ruin Arizona's dreams like he had for 10 years, but it's it's a group of guys that I wouldn't have said this uh, after May, but it's a group of guys I have a lot of confidence in now. They, I mean, listen, it's 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 still the Dodgers, you're right. They still have the top down <laughs> like training and coaching that that seems to work. Uh, by the way, Shelby Miller, Joe Kelly, groomsmen at each other's weddings back when they were on the Cardinals together. So that's fun. <laughs> they get to feed off each other again. Um, Everybody's talk- favorite game is where were where were they a Cardinal and when? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, let's uh, let's talk about lineups. We'll start with the Dodgers this time. Uh, and this is largely a Dodger lineup that we have seen uh, with some fresher faces, uh, you know, uh, chief among them, James Outman. Um, <laughs> and and Jason Hayward having uh, his best season since he was a Cardinal. 
I wasn't told that I was just getting myself into a Cardinals podcast that was vaguely about the Dodgers. <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's with me, if it's with me and Kuhan, it automatically becomes the Cardinals. I mean, I'm saying, lineup. I see, I see lots of Cardinals here. That's that's not that's not my fault. They're just there, you know. They, Lance Lynn, oh, too, yeah. by the way, for what it's worth. Oh, Lynn yeah, Miller and, uh, and Kelly all like sort of came up together in, in the Cardinals organization, and Lynn is not feeding off quite as much. <laughs> but uh, Unfortunately, it, it sounds like the last cut from the uh, postseason roster is going to be Colton Wong, so they're, we're going to be yeah. missing one more. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Well, he, he can't get picked off at first <laughs> base there, so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, the, the Dodgers lineup this year, it's kind of, I feel like I'm being a bit repetitive here, but it's a lot of the same, but a little different. Like it's one, two, it's, it's going to be Mookie and Freddie every night. They're going to go up there and give lead at bats and hopefully elite production. And then after that, Will Smith is batting three all year. He'll be hopefully good. He cooled off a, a lot in the last two months. He's kind of riding a cold streak coming into the playoffs. But then after that, it's, JD Martinez, who they're saying is Will Smith some, is not as guaranteed as he once was, not as guaranteed as I would like him to be, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then four or five, it'll be JD and Muncie, who I think have 70 homers between them, and then yeah, Patchwork at the bottom of the lineup with a bunch of platoons. It'll have a lot of James Outman, a lot of Jason Hayward, uh, Kike Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario, David Peralta for a little D backs name in there. Like, it's, it's going to be a lot of platoon work from the uh, six to nine spots all, se- all series. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I think we talked about this a little bit in the, uh, the previous segment with the Phillies and Braves. And it's like, Hey, you know, one to five, if you're that strong, like you're not that worried about six to nine, but if you're getting the production out of them, you know, out of your Outmans and your Peraltas and like those guys who, who are, you know, some of them are like, like Outman potentially the future. Some of them are <laughs> on their last legs. Um, it's good to have those guys there. Um, Let's talk about the Diamondbacks here who have been a a good offense over the last few years, like a stronger offense, I think, than that had been expected. Um, have been fine this year. What, what, are, what are we looking at for Diamondbacks offense here? Well, it, it's uh, kind of like you saw in the uh, kind of wildcard round. It, it's going to run through Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte. Um, Everyone else there can hit, will hit, the offense will go, um, but it all goes uh, better and stronger um, when Carroll and Marte are on base, especially with Carroll stolen base threat. Um, I wouldn't expect a lot of a change in the lineup uh, from the wild card round to this round. I would expect to see Corbin Carroll uh, in that leadoff spot, um, and I would I would kind of expect the exact same order until proven otherwise. Um, uh, in terms of uh, everything else, it's kind of kind of come down to Gabby Moreno. I, I've already kind of dropped the stat. Uh, they're a different team with and without him. Uh, he is healthy. He's expected to be in the starting lineup. Um, so the fact that he's there is huge. Um, not a huge offensive threat, um, but he, it, he, he him being a mainstay in the lineup is big. Um, obviously, you have Christian Walker, who's going to be your power threat. Gurriel Jr., who's going to be a power threat. Um, and then you'll see who you get to, you get at third base. You may get a Jay Peterson. You may get an Evan Longoria. Um, Evan Longoria, obviously with a ton of postseason experience, uh, whether it be in Tampa Bay or San Francisco. Um, and then to round up the, uh, the Cardinals references, we have a Tommy Pham in there as well, <laughs> um, who, uh, will, we, you know, he's, he's always a threat. He's always, uh, you know, someone who's lurking with a big hit somewhere back there. Um, 
some days he's great and some days he he is uh he struggles but it's he's always a threat to do something yeah. um he does have a lingering injury injury with uh some turf toe which uh apparently was an issue in the wild card round which has kept him in a dh role for uh the last few months or i guess the last few weeks um so we'll see um but i wouldn't expect a lot there um obviously we had a lot of power in the wild card round that is not the diamondbacks game the diamondbacks game is uh if you go based on the hashtag uh, from their social media team of embrace the chaos, um, that's what they do. Uh, they are a uh, put the ball in play and run the bases like mad kind of team, um, which is, again, it leads you back to Corbin Carroll where it's going to kind of start and finish with uh, him and his speed and uh, the rookie of the year campaign. For uh, for a quick comparison, the Dodgers have uh, three guys with thirty or more home runs. The Diamondbacks have one. <laughs> and, just don't and, do the same with stolen bases. That's and all. Freddie Freeman also had twenty nine, so it was one off. Yeah, stolen. I mean, you know, I mean that, that's what we're talking about here, right? Is that the Diamondbacks have a a different game there, which is you know get Corbin Carroll on the bases and and watch him run, right? That's. Yeah. I get it. Uh, yeah, it's, hey, it's if it works, if, it gets you, if it gets you a rookie of the year award, it's not not a bad yeah. way to live. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas is the same way. If you, I mean, that's why they kind of have him at the bottom of the lineup. Um, whether it be, I mean, obviously he's not the same bat that Corbin Carroll is, but right. he's pretty similar speed, if not better. Um, so the speed's going to come from all angles. And um, if my Dodger sources are right. Um, People aren't too like ecstatic about Will Smith uh, defensively, um, so you could be in uh, in store for a lot of stolen bases in this series. Fam, by the way, despite the turf toe and only playing fifty games, also has eleven stolen bases. That's that's part of his game too, is the thing. So that uh, you know, he he can he can if he if he like he's he's a, he's a streaky hitter, but if he streaks in the right ways, then he can uh, he can really do some damage out there from you know first guy off the bench. Um. Great. Well, uh, let's real quick talk about sort of picks to clicks, keys to the game, the or whatever other uh, platitudes that sports people talk about. Uh, <laughs> so let's start with the Diamondbacks. What are who are your sort of picks here and and your keys and like what do the Diamondbacks need to do to win this series? Uh, I mean, obviously it's it's the it's the offense and it's the bullpen. Um, the starting pitching it's going to be fairly similar to you know what we expect from the dodgers they they don't expect these guys to go seven eight you know seven eight innings they want to get you know five six out of them and get it to the bullpen um and you know obviously have enough of a lead to where they don't need a lot of insurance runs um and if they do need runs late they are going to try to manufacture them um so if they're able to manufacture runs and play their small ball game um expect it to be all night um especially if it starts to work um the the x factor i've kind of bounced around on in this series um it would be easy to say gabby moreno um just because the uh the stat with him is they win 60 percent of the time with him and they win 40 percent of the time without him um i think that it's going to be a little bit more of your traditional uh in terms of uh, traditional um Storyline, though, I think it comes with Corbin Carroll. I think if he's on base, setting the tone uh, offensively, um, that that is going to be the game changer. Um, the the From the pitching staff perspective, um, I think it's going to come down to Merrill Kelly. Um, if Merrill Kelly can set the tone against Kershaw and steal one of those two games, um, if, if the Dimebacks were to win one, um, you know, 
you expect Merrill Kelly to steal one of those, hopefully. Um, and if that happens, and the Dimebacks are ecstatic about their chances. Um, from the bullpen's perspective, um, I would say it comes, I mean, obviously you you think Seawald is going to be uh, your game changer there. I'm going to throw one at you that um, maybe people don't see coming. Um, Andrew Saulfrank, um, who about uh, just over a month ago was called up from AAA Reno. Um, I think he's going to be the game changer. I think that's going to be the guy to watch is uh, Saul Frank coming in. And that'll be the storyline of here's this guy who uh, a month ago was not even sniffing a roster um, in terms of the postseason. And now here he is in a big spot. Um, so those would be the three. I would say Merrill Kelly, can he beat Kershaw, Corbin Carroll, can he set the table and Saul Frank as the, uh, as the, uh, the bridge, so to speak, between uh, the starter and Seawald. Uh, and then Jiggy for the Dodgers, obviously same question. What's, uh, what, what do they need to do to take the series? All right. Well, he, he gave you three, so I'll try and give you a, a version of three too. Um, so to start, I think after the, uh, wins blue Jays pitching change fiasco, this is kind of <laughs> something that everybody's thinking about is like, how much say to, does a manager really have in a way he pitches a series? And I, think it'd be naive for Dodger fans to think that Dave Roberts has much say this series. I think that the biggest X factor we have is whatever the game plan, the uh, analytics department cooked up for this pitching staff. Cause it's like, like I said, this is not a staff that's going to be having seven, eight innings from Bobby Miller and Clayton Kershaw. It's going to be a lot of patchwork. And given that the diamondbacks seem like they have a pretty static lineup, they're going to have a pretty good idea going in of what they're going to want to do and where people are going to line up. Like, you want Corbin Carroll to only face lefties. You don't want Cattell Marte to face a lefty and they're going to be bang, bang. So does that mean you yank somebody a little earlier than you would prefer to get him against the Alec Thomas and then whoever's at third in Geraldo Perdomo? Probably. Like, I think that those decisions or plan, however you want to phrase it, <laughs> like that's a huge X factor for the Dodgers. Um, and then second one, just the platoon work at the b- bottom of the lineup. It's, like uh like i i heard andrew saw frank good good pitcher apparently never heard of him before three days ago but he seems to be good that's a weapon that they have they have a couple lefties we have a bunch of platoons at the bottom of the lineup so it's going to come down to the key case the amed rosario's needing to get on base for to have somebody for mookie and freddie to drive in when they come up um and the last x factor i'll give you is uh my personal favorite player max muncie he if you just look at wrc plus and pretend that's the end all be all of hitting he had a good year 118 36 nukes sounds great if he's hitting 220 throughout these playoffs when he needs to be driving in freddie from second on a consistent basis he might be in a bit of trouble especially with all of the right-handed starting pitching we're going to see presumably we're going to get I don't think we're getting we're seeing a sweep in this series so we're gonna get at least three games of gallon and kelly max Muncie needs to be smashing the ball to make up for will smith's cooling off to make up for jd martinez inevitably sliding it or uh, swinging at a slider in the left-handed hitters batter's box like max Muncie's gonna be a big key for this series and he he needs to come in with with a couple couple hits instead of just trying to hit him into the pool out there yeah um 
Yeah, well, let's let's wrap up here with the predictions. What we what we think is going to happen. <laughs> That's what predictions means. Uh, let's start uh, with you, Jiggy. What uh, what is your prediction for the series here, final games and and winner? Every part of me wants to be a doomer after the last eleven years of Dodgers playoff baseball, but this this doesn't feel like a doesn't feel like a series they lose. Like Gallon Kelly. Great one-two punch at the start of the the uh, start of the rotation for those guys, but like Michael Kelly has a five-five ERA against the Dodgers. Zach yeah. Gallen had one great start against us first week of the season, and then got melted twice. Like I, I don't see much advantage the D-backs way. So I'll, I'll say Dodgers in four. I don't know. Brandon Fat steals a game, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's too much to overthink. And I'm not trying to like be demeaning towards the D-backs or their fans or anything. They're great team like i i really quite enjoy watching them but like i i don't see it no, i think yeah. the Dodgers kind of have them beat they across the board there, right yeah uh hack thoughts similar um i i actually am gonna go the opposite i i feel like the the dodgers have s- sat around a little bit um i think that there's enough question marks and a lot of um not so much Doomer, but I think that while the team is confident, I do think that there is a bit of uh, not so much mystique, uh, but like there is a little bit of atmosphere of doubt in this Dodgers team, um, whether it be from the fan base, media, what have you. Um, I do think there's a little bit of question mark inside them um, that they're not the same Dodgers of old. And I think as everybody saw, this Diamondbacks team is a little hungry. Um, I don't know if anybody's listened to the the Chris Rose podcast over the last few days, but I caught uh, just a clip of it um, on TikTok on on a shameless part there um, (laughs) where Corey Lovello had kind of went in in the middle of the year and, and told him like, Hey, like, is this the same, you know, JV NLS team that it's always been, or is this a different team? Um, I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to sweep. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy like that, but I I actually am seeing D-backs in four. Uh, I'm, I think it's Dodgers in three. I think, I think you, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think, yeah, I, I, I think maybe, maybe Hack's been a little high on the D-backs. I think maybe, maybe he's been a little low on the Dodgers. I think it's Dodgers in three. I think the, the little rest of the three games of a wild card is, is a little more meaningless than, than maybe that NLCS World Series rest we've seen for, you know, 50 years or whatever. Um, at, the, <laughs> at, at this point, I think, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, they're the Dodgers. They're still the Dodgers. It's a hundred win team. They're clearly, you know, the best or second best team, you know, even, even without the, like we said, the pitching that they've had in the past and, and with some of the, you know, the, the, the minor missteps uh, they've, they've been there. They've been there a bunch. Like the, the coaching staff has been there. Most of the players have been there. Like they, these guys know what they're doing and what they're up against uh, in, in a way that I think the, the D backs don't, but we'll see. We gotta, we gotta play the games and see how it goes. Um, Jiggy hack. Thanks so much for joining. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll have one of you back on when one of these teams wins. Uh, But until then, uh, we'll kick it to the outro. And uh, yeah, have a good one. See you Thursday from Chase Field. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Better. And 
that will do it for this mega-sized episode of Rain Delay Radio. If you made it this far, I want to thank you so much for listening. I also want to give a big thanks to all of our guests. First up, our newcomers, Jeremy and Jiggy. Uh, then our returning uh, guests, which are Frack, Hack, uh, and the returns of Lewis and Phil, who used to be regulars. And then, of course, our regulars, Dylan and Pat. And thank you again to Pat for uh, doing that first segment, which really was covering for me. I was supposed to host that segment and then something came up. So I really appreciate uh, Pat for filling in last moment there. Uh, our theme was composed by Chuck Lease. Lewis is still the executive producer of the show, even if he hasn't been on it in a long time. I am the editor of the show. I also hosted <laughs> the large majority of it. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of Rain Delay Radio. As I said, regular news episode on Sunday, as well as our first reactions to the first game or two of the Division Series, depending on which Division Series we're talking about. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it. Talk to you on Monday. Bye. <laughs>